worth more than eighty million pounds. No man is. No man is. 80, 85, 95 million pounds for a bloke who kicks a ball around. Flipping heck. I'll do it for 200 quid. I'll do it for 200 quid. I'm free this Saturday morning if you want me. Oh, I I think the Football League season starts again at the weekend. Flipping brilliant. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up this morning, including... Ten people who claim bedroom tax breaches their human rights will find out whether they've won their case later on today. NHS Direct has announced it will no longer run the medical helpline 111 in Buckinghamshire as it no longer makes financial sense. Well, have you ever used it? Was it any good? And I'm downgrading. I've downgraded to a Nokia, but like a really old one. It's so old it doesn't even have a number on it. All it does is receive and make phone calls, send some texts, and it has the Snake app. That's it. Partly because I'd be at home with my boys, and they'd be like, Dada, let's go and play Pirates. I'd be like, yeah, in a second, I'm just checking my latest bid on eBay, and then I need to update my tweets. Well, are smartphones wrecking your relationships? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call. All of the phone lines are free, 08459 455555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. And don't forget, it's day two of our Winner Kiss off Justin Dealey competition. If you see Justin Dealey anywhere in beds, hearts and bucks, and go up to him and shout uh, whilst pointing to him, your name's Justin Dealey, I claim my free kiss, he will have to give you a smacker on the lips. That's a fact. Now, ten people who claim the so-called bedroom tax breaches their human rights will find out whether they've won their case later. The group, who are all disabled, say their health problems mean they need more space. Under the current rules, they stand to see their benefits reduced by 14% for one spare room and 25% for two or more. Well, someone who'll be watching developments with interest this morning is Eileen Gracie from Milton Keynes. She joins me now. Morning, Eileen. Good morning. Eileen, you live with your disabled brother, is that right? That's right, yeah. So how many bedrooms have you got in your in your house or flat? I've got a three-bedroom house. Three-bedroom house. So there's you, there's your disabled brother. And what do you need that third bedroom for? Well, because not only do I have my um, disabled brother live with me, but I have two daughters um, with mental health problems. And one of them has three children. And her children, right, when she's unable to look after them or it gets too much, they come and they live with me. Right, and I have the children approximately three, four nights a week. Yeah, so I need that spare bedroom, right, to enable me to stop my grandchildren from having to go into to foster care or, or, or whatever. Why would your um, grandchildren have to go into foster care, Eileen? Because my daughter wouldn't be able to look after them. Uh, uh, why? Because of her mental illness. Some, some days, um, my daughter... With, with, with the children is unable to leave the house yeah and um, she's unable to get up she won't answer the door i mean she lives in a housing association like myself and if they are going to her house to carry out a routine gas check or you know to do a repair they have to come through me first to make sure that i'm there because she won't let nobody in is it right eileen that the housing association have threatened you with repossession 
Yes, right. Um, my housing association, this bedroom tax coming to play in April, and my housing association sent me a letter threatening repossession proceedings in May. When I phoned them and spoke to them and, you know, tried to explain the situation, yeah, their attitude was that I was lucky, right, because normally they only allow four weeks to go into arrears. However, they allowed me six. So you have gone into arrears. With the, with the reduction in your benefits, you, you, you are now in arrears, is that yes. right? Yes, I am. Do you know how much extra you owe? Um, at the moment, I believe it's 200 and something. Have you applied for a, a discretionary payment? I have, and believe you me, right, that was an absolute minefield. Um, I applied for it as, as soon right, as I heard about the bedroom tax and one thing and another. And I had been down to the council. I'd taken down all documentation, you know, from like um, solicitors, social services, doctors, you know, in relation to, to everyone in my family. And then I'd get a phone call saying that I hadn't taken it down, and then I had taken it, and then I hadn't, and they needed this, then they didn't. And there was two people at the council in particular who kept disagreeing with what information um, they required from me. And in the end, they sent me a letter, and I sent it back saying, when you used to make up your mind, yeah, what information you actually want, let me know. Until then... Go away and leave me alone. The, the the wonderful joy of dealing with council bureaucracy. Eileen. We, <laughs> oh, we, we're yeah, we're all understanding what, what you're saying. There might be some people listening, uh, Eileen, who um, are questioning why they as taxpayers should be helping you and your disabled brother and uh, your grandchildren. What, what would you say to those people? What I would say to those people is, right, my family, my, my grandparents, my parents, myself, right, my brothers, even my... my, my daughters right have worked hard yeah all our lives yeah i give up a really good job right whenever my my dad became very very poorly he's passed on now right to look after my parents yeah obviously as my children grew up yeah you know my grandchildren i've got six grandchildren and all yeah um and i am i am saving the taxpayer hundreds and hundreds of pounds every week because if i wasn't around there would have to be residential care for my brother yeah because he, he, he can't right look after himself he can't do nothing they would need to be sending out carers and support workers for my two daughters they would need to be having somebody in place yeah to look after my grandchildren yeah when my daughter becomes ill herself yeah and also you know, I go down and, and, and see to my elderly mother and, and what have you, and they give me £59 a week for doing that. You know, how much would that cost the taxpayer if I wasn't here? So, in this case that's um, uh, taking place at the moment, if, if they win, would you consider doing something similar? I have already said right from the word go, right, when I spoke to my housing association right, and the council... Yeah, I told them, take me to court. If that's what you want to do, take me to court. Bring but believe on. you me, I am not going quietly. Because I think that this is an absolute disgrace. You know, I really, really do. And what really annoys me, right, more than anything else, is they are so, so quick to put on the, you know, on the television and the newspapers 
these people that have like you know there was one a couple of weeks ago um two young people had four children you know didn't go to work and demanding a four-bedroom house yeah they're so so quick to publish stories like that Eileen, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you short. We, we're kind of running out of time. I hope you feel you got your point across. I think you certainly did. Thank you very much. Eileen Grayson will uh, keep in touch with Eileen to, to find out how her story progresses. Well, what do you think when you hear something like that? Eileen lives in a three-bedroom house. There's her and her brother that lives there. Um, and she needs that extra room to look after her grandkids three or four nights a week. How do you feel when you hear that? Do you have any sympathy, any empathy for her at all? Or do you think, well, hang on, it's not fair. A bigger family needs that more than she does. What do you think? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Not a chance. Let's have some of this, shall we? Bit of Glen Campbell. Oh, yes. Oh, fantastic. On a compact disc as well. Do you remember those? They're like modern records, aren't they? Wonderful. Lovely little bit of Glen Campbell. Right, 6.15, let's get the travel. He's he's just played it again. Turns out compact discs weren't so good. That's why we ditched them. And here is the weather. The weather will be dry at first, but turning cloudy without breaks of more rain. Top temperatures around 20 degrees Celsius. Coming up, the number... What? What have I done? Nothing, carry on. You're all looking at me. That's my job. But no, what, what did I, all, all three of you just sat there looking at me as I've just... You're well, it was interesting that we got some weather, that's all. Oh, for goodness sakes. Coming up, the number 111. Have you ever used it? Well, it could be uh, going in Buckinghamshire. Don't dial that. Dial 08459 and tell me your stories about it. BBC Three Counties Radio. This song no not love what's the other thing oh yeah i hate this song morning in lee bbc three counties radio it's a popular one with the kids popular with the kids the old candy if only they knew what i thought it was about now, NHS Direct has announced it will no longer run the medical helpline 111 in buckinghamshire as it no longer makes financial sense this doesn't necessarily mean the end of 111, but it's certainly a major blow for the service, which has been criticised since its launch in April. Well, Dr Peter Holden is the NHS 111 lead with the British Medical Association. Morning, Peter. What, Morning. What's, what's going on here? Basically, uh, the 111 concept, which di- did have value, the brand has now been quite badly damaged, was rushed out far too quickly uh, by senior civil servants and senior managers anxious to pander to ministerial egos. Uh, They were told two years ago where the problems would lie, and they did not listen. They just carried on. And the long and the short of it is, certain uh, outfits... Uh, want to get hold of the business because they see it as the way into getting hold of British general practice. Uh, What happened with NHS Direct was it was a highly successful, essentially nurse-heavy, nurse-led health advice line, uh, which had its problems but was was basically safe. They essentially were quite a costly operation and the government decided to get rid of them and go for something cheaper, which was um, ordinary person operated using computer algorithm. You can't put medicine into algorithms like that. 
And in order to survive, NHS Direct, which was at one time just they, in, in lay terms, a special health authority became an ordinary company, and suicidally bid low to get contracts to try and survive. Because well, within, within the health service, there is a bent contracting culture which says, well, just bid for it. The, the ministers are going to have to see to it that it doesn't fail. Well, that's You'll therefore, get more then, money Peter, later. If, if they underbid, if they, if they gave a figure that was unrealistic, then NHS Direct are to blame, aren't they? Yes, you can say that, but the fact is they will walk away, and that's what they've done. And the fact is, is that this should have been dealt with through proper contracting mechanisms, and it's the faulty contracting that's going on, and the institutional um, dishonesty that exists within the NHS over contracting. What does this mean for the 111 service in, in Buckinghamshire? When do NHS Direct walk away and, we, and who replaces we them? We don't know. We don't know. The government's playing cards close to the chest. They spent yesterday trying to say, oh, this was teething problems. It was all in April. No, it wasn't. The filming was done in June. Um, and we know... This is the filming of this the uh, Channel 4 Harmony, the other, the other provider, which means that you've got one provider that provides a third walking away from it, and you've got another provider who's had a big question mark put over it over the film yesterday. So... What actually it does mean is 111 is not all bad. There are uh, not-for-profit providers out there doing 111 in Hertfordshire, in Derbyshire, and in other places. And the key issue is they are integrated with the local out-of-hours service. That's the point. They have to uh, deal with all the problems they generate, whereas the rest of it was just an ordinary telephone answering service, uh, which just handed the problem on, and all that they were bothered about was quality, not quantity quantity not quality of well we answered the phone within x seconds and we did this but they didn't bother to they weren't interested in whether the outcomes were right they merely fulfilled the tick box when i called nhs direct in the past i'm sure i didn't always speak initially to someone who had medical training and sometimes it would take you know 45 minutes an hour for a nurse to call me back which is crazy and it shouldn't happen. The specification is that if you need clinician advice on 98% of occasions, you should be warm transfer. What that means is... But yes, this was on the yes, NHS yes. Direct service I'm talking Sorry? about. This, this, this was when I called NHS Direct a couple of years ago. Oh, NHS Direct was never intended right. to be part of the out-of-hours handling. Right. It was an advice line you could ring, nothing more. OK, and whereas 111 is billed as... 111 is the front end of the out-of-hours and all urgent right. So it's a block in the way of you getting care when it could well be very urgent. Yep. Uh, Dr Peter Holden, thank you very much. NHS 111 lead with the BMA. Joined now by uh, uh, Barry Brown, who is National Officer for Health with the Union Unite. Uh, Barry, what do you make of the news that NHS Direct will pull out from Bucks and elsewhere? Well, obviously, uh, it's very disappointing, uh, but for all the reasons that uh, Peter Holden has just outlined, it's understandable because uh, NHS Direct was uh, very successful. It had been in place for over 10 years. It had a high rating among those who used it. Uh, and the move to uh, 111 has been done in such a way uh, as to emphasise uh, the need for the competitive tendering and the opportunity for private organisations to come in uh, and provide a service which really can't be at the same level as we've been accustomed to. Uh, for the reason, again, that Peter Holden outlined that uh, NHS Direct, you're likely to speak to an NHS um, uh, nurse, a, a professional, uh, whereas uh, with the 111 service, particularly one that we saw last night uh, on Channel 4 Dispatches, uh, you're dealing with uh, those in the call centre who've got absolutely no health background whatsoever. 
I, I am slightly confused. If NHS Direct underbid and they put in a bid too low, then that that's their fault, isn't it? What they were trying to do was obviously maintain their presence and the range of expertise uh, and skills that they have brought uh, to NHS Direct over the years. Uh, and they wanted to continue doing that against the background of what were unrealistic levels. I mean, the, the fact was that the calls that come through uh, to 111 are being paid uh, at about half the rate of the actual cost uh, for NHS uh, Direct. But if they knew they couldn't... That, me- that was a great error on their part. But, but if they their, knew they couldn't meet that cost... if they could make something work, well, which because hello. of the market forces and the privatisation... But if they knew, Barry, they, they, happen? if they knew they couldn't make that work, then... That was irresponsible of NHS Direct, wasn't it? No, I don't think it was irresponsible. They were trying their best uh, to create the situation uh, where when uh, someone rang into 111, they were dealing with people who had the experience and skills uh, to provide the response that was required. And as we saw last night uh, from the programme on uh, Channel 4, uh, that, wasn't the, that isn't the case when you've got companies like Harmony in, in Bristol and Dorking. But Harmony are, are, are affording it, whereas NHS Direct didn't. Well, <laughs> then it's not a charity. Is it? It's not a charity, it Barry. It's, it's, it's a, it, it was a business concern. They took it on as a business concern. So the fact that they failed on the business side of things is, is it, that is has to be their responsibility, doesn't it? Harmony are affording it because they haven't got the skilled health professionals uh, in the front line in those on uh, call centres. Whereas, of course, NHS Direct has had that and has built that up over the years. So that was uh, what was being made available. Or was it reflected in the price being paid? Well, no. What happens uh, now to your members? Will they be affected? Well, I mean, quite clearly, there have already been significant redundancies across NHS Direct because it didn't you know, win all the 111 contracts. It won one about Well, thank goodness for that. Um, well, you say that, but then you're quite clear the position is... Well, if they'd won everything, direct, we, we, if they, they won everything, Barry, we, we, we'd have no 111 service. They'd, they'd pull out of everything. Well, you can have a 111 service uh, which provides real value with health professionals providing it, or you can have a, a 111 service provided by non-health professionals, uh, which, as Peter Holden very, very clearly pointed out last night on dispatches, uh, doesn't deliver what is required but by patients step, the population. Step one, business 101, do your sums right, and, and NHS does ultimately, they, and I can totally understand what you're saying, of course I'd rather speak to a qualified nurse or, or someone with m- some medical experience as opposed to a call centre uh, worker, but if, if NHS Direct couldn't provide that at the fee they were charging, then they shouldn't have got involved. Now, what should have been made available is the appropriate funding for the school... But it wasn't, and they knew that from the start. NHS England, which has got the overall responsibility, has got a budget when in excess of £30 billion. But they knew what the budget was at the start. Well... That's what they, they put in a bid. Uh, NHS Direct put in a bid, and they couldn't make that work. It's been politically driven for reasons uh, which we're all well aware of. There was the money available to make this more realistic but in they terms put of in, the service that could be provided. Barry, but the thing is, NHS Direct, they put in the bid. They knew what their bid was. That bid was accepted. They couldn't make that work. Whether there's this pot of £30 million pounds or not... Of service, which, as we saw last night, isn't being provided uh, by Harmony. But... Uh, <laughs> But you seem to... I'm, I'm going to ask one more time. The, 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 it's obvious that NHS Direct put in a bid that couldn't provide the services they wanted to provide. They, they shouldn't have put that bid in then, surely? Well, they thought that they could provide the service. Uh, what has now... They got their sums wrong. two months, obviously, on from the initial establishment of 111, uh, that that wasn't going to be feasible. Uh, and that's against the background, remember, 
uh, the NHS England uh, made it quite clear that the full uh, rollout uh, for 111 has been put back to next year anyway. OK, we, we have to end it there. Barry Brown, National Office for Health with uh, the Union United. Listen, I would, of course when I call 111, I want to speak to, I, I would love to speak to a qualified nurse or a doctor or someone, you know, a St John's Ambulance, someone who knows a little bit, OK? But that isn't happening. I don't know whether that's good or bad or not, and I'm keen to get your stories on the 111 service. But if NHS Direct put in a bid, and neither uh, uh, Peter or Barry there seem to be able to answer this, if they put in a bid that was too low, that's bad business, isn't it? it, it, And it is a business. That's bad maths on their part. Or am I being a little bit harsh? Have I got this completely wrong? 08459 455555. Call 08459 455555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, this is the problem. This is why this country is failing. This is why relationships are failing uh, between husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend. And apparently, girlfriend, girlfriend. Good for you. Well done, ladies. And between children. Smartphones, 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 smartphones. Think about it. You'll be in bed with your missus or whoever, uh, and instead of talking to each other, you'll be on Twitter. One of you'll be on Twitter, one of you'll be on eBay, or one will be on the Tesco website ordering the sub... Or whatever. Or your kid... This is what happened to me. My kids would be there. Dada, let's go play pirates. Yeah, in a second, I'm updating my Twitter feed. Get out of here. Smartphones are ruining us as a country and all of our relationships. 08459 455 555. Now... It wasn't smartphones that ruined Ike and Tina Turner's relationship. It was something a little bit different. Let's not make light of it, but, you know, we, we all saw the film. We all saw the film. What a good film it was as well. Up until 1978, Tina Turner was one of the hottest women in the world. Have you seen her in Tommy the movie? Oh, deary, deary me. Although I've just watched some footage of her now. She did That shimmy does it a little bit slower these days. A little bit of a slow shimmy. Fair play, she is 73. So you've got to respect that. I think smartphones they're wrecking your relationships you ju- you may realize it you probably haven't i've downgraded my phone all it does text call play snake it's got memory for 20 texts my memory was full i had to delete everything in my inbox it's one you can't carry on conversations people text me now and i don't bother replying because it's just it's too hard I don't know what the question mark is. I don't. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, uses his phone primarily to take photographs of himself. Justin, you've harsh. been... Harsh. Harsh but fair? Nope. You've been finding out this morning if smartphones Ooh. can ruin relationships, haven't you? Yeah, your phone's cracking, isn't it? Now, I've done some research on this. I thought when your phone came out, Aqua were riding high on top of the UK charts. No, it wasn't. It was Brian Adams. Everything I really? do, I do for you. If you want to see my phone, there is a picture of my phone um, having a little kiss and a cuddle with Catherine Boyle's phone. It's on <laughs> facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. That is genuinely the phone I'm using for the next mm. month. I'm going to give it a go for a month and see how we get on. But you you, you kind of agree with me on this. Absolutely. That, that, that we use our smartphones too much. Do you know what, boss? You're absolutely spot on. How often do you go out and people don't have a conversation? They're yeah. sitting there with their partners and do you know what some muppets they go out for a meal together oh. and they're sitting opposite each other and they're facebooking each other yeah. how ridiculous is that these people are insane and just just to clarify of course justin um you this morning when we brought up this you said loudly in the office yeah. 
What's a smartphone? <laughs> what's a what's a smartphone then? Is it? And then he held up his his iPad uh, iPhone and went. Is this a smartphone? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, not a smartphone. Phone call. Uh, these impressions, mate, don't give up the day job. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. You've been speaking to gentlemen, first of all. What have they been saying about yes. smartphones? Yes, uh, here's what men had to say. Now, I started with a man who was walking and texting on his smartphone. Take a listen to this. Well, I'm actually talking to my girlfriend at the moment. Like She's just messaging me, but... Um I don't think it has um, such a big role to play, to be honest. Um, personally, if people, you know, people are together, they shouldn't, you know, be concerned about smartphones or whatever. You know, they just should spend time together and stuff like that. Okay. Just lastly, has your partner ever said to you, or vice versa, just put the phone down? Please put the phone down. Come here, give me a big cuddle. Actually, no. To be fair, no. Never happened, actually. Well, personally, I don't spend that much time on the phone. I'm trying to spend time with my girlfriend rather than on the phone with her. You should be a relationship Sorry. expert. You're fantastic. Thank you very much, <laughs> Neil. Have a great no day. Worries. You too. Take care. Yeah. Yes, I could, yeah. Everybody uses them too much. I use it myself too much. Mm. And what about your missus, then? She uses a lot. More than me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so are you forever saying to her, come on, give me some attention. I want nah. the attention, not the phone. <laughs> no, she sees that to me. She sees that to me all the time. So she's saying that to you, uh-huh. but you're saying that she uses the phone more than you. Yes. So yes. you must be lacking the attention then. I, n- I don't mind not having attention because I'm usually on my phone or on my <laughs> iPad. <laughs> oh, I don't mind not having <laughs> attention with my lass. Cause, so here, hang on a minute. So he doesn't mind not getting the mm. attention because she's on her phone because it means he can use his phone yeah. more. But if they both ditched their phones, they would be making love, they'd be watching mm. films, they'd be eating together, they'd be yep. talking, they'd be sat side by side. Oh, it's, uh, Here's missing... the problem with our society. Isn't he? There you go. There that is a man. broken Geordie Britain. Absolutely. Rotten Britain. Yeah. <laughs> women, what have women been saying? We've got a fantastic rank coming up here, Ian. You are going to love this. I-, I asked the lady a moment ago whether smartphones ruin relationships. Stand back. This is what she had to say. Uh-oh. Smartphone ruin your relationship. Any phone ruins your relationship. You go into the kids nowadays or the pub where everyone's having a few beers, there's no conversation. Everyone's there on your phone. What's wrong with communication? Put your phone away and link up. Talk. So are you saying then that, that smartphones have ruined your relationships in the past? Yeah, they do ruin my relationships because I feel the need to take them off people and tell them, talk to me, man. What's wrong with communication? Get off your phone and communicate with us round the table. I've been out with about seven people and there's six of them all on the phone. No one's talking, they're all on the phone. Makes you angry, doesn't it? Just, it's a little bit frustrating, yeah, it is. It is a little bit frustration because I like to talk. Communication's the key and if everyone's on their phone, no one's talking. I want to hang out with that young lady. It was a lady, wasn't it, yeah? It was a lady. Women like that, they should be running this country. She was wonderful. She is absolutely spot on. It is the case. I I have been at home with uh, my girlfriend. uh, My girlfriend? My wife, I mean, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. There's a little uh, glimpse into the bus. Mm. I've been at home with my wife, and we've been sat there uh, on different phones. You you go out to to restaurants, and people will be sat opposite each other on their phones. My boys, when they want to play with me, I'll be on my phone. It's it's an addiction. It's it's, uh, as strong and as powerful as alcohol. Alcoholism or, or heroin addiction, it <laughs> takes over your... I'm serious. It takes over your life. Well, you know what? I had major problems with smartphones in my last relationship all the time. Even people sitting on a beach. You're going away for two weeks. 
put the phone down. I've still got a fax machine at home. What? Those days were great, weren't they? If you want to send me a message, send me a fax. I have to go to the fax machine. I have to pick it up. I have to read it. I don't want that message instantly in my hand if I'm on a beach. Come on. I, What's I, happening out I, there? I could never work um, faxes. Stay there, Justin. Dennis is in Dunstable. Dennis wants to work. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning to you, Ian. De- and good morning to Justin. Good morning, Justin. Morning, sir. Thank you. Good morning. Je- De- Dennis, uh, are smartphones ruining your relationship? My relationship is 64 years old today. It's our wedding anniversary, and I've never used a smartphone. My wife doesn't even know what a smartphone looks like. Well, neither did Justin <laughs> Dealey this morning. He didn't have a clue. I've only just learned to switch the light on. <laughs> Well, congratulations on 64 years. Do you think that's part of the secret, Dennis? The fact that... Um, we talk. We talk. Yeah, a bit too much, maybe. maybe no, I could, no. Perhaps I could finish the question. Do you think... <laughs> thank you. Do you think that's part of the problem, that, uh, th- that smartphones get in the way, and it ruins communication, doesn't it? Of course it does. Yes. Yes. Mine is a simple phone. I don't walk around with it stuck to my ear. No. I use it just to ring home. I just never switched on. And my provider are very lucky if they get more than £4 a month out of me. I am frustrated. I- I'm finding it awkward and uncomfortable. It's only day three of not having my smartphone. I'm, s- I'm itching. I'm itching a little bit, but I'm going <laughs> to stick with it for a month. When I tried to tell my provider I was downgrading, the woman went... Huh? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of my iPhone and I'm going to go to a Nokia uh, and all it does is do texts and uh, phone calls. Would you want to go, would you want 4G with that? No, I don't want, no, I don't want anything. She couldn't understand it. <laughs> Dennis? Yes? Justin's got one thing he wants to say to you. Are you ready? Yeah, well, Come I don't here, know. Come give me a big cuddle. Come here, give me a big cuddle. A big cuddle? Come here, give me a big cuddle. I would do, but I haven't got a smartphone. Come here, give me a big cuddle. Is that a no, then? That's a no, definitely. How about I, I'm very particular who cuddles me. Me no speak English. Oh, good, very good. <laughs> no, it's 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 a ridiculous... I, my other lady will be coming to cuddle me before long. Who's coming to cuddle you? My 64-year-old lady. Hang on a minute, you said you'd been with her for 64 years. She's 88. There we go. Yeah, She's lovely 88 years Dennis, 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 go away. Goodbye. Yeah, Justin? <laughs> yeah. Same to you. Hi. Ta-ta. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 four double five five double five. Now, uh, workers... <laughs> workers at Wolverton, uh, a Wolverton-based company, I'm told they won't get paid this month. This is incredible. Um... Okay, okay, right, I see what's happening. Sorry, yes, we're getting, I'm, I'm being, I'm communicating via the medium of sign language with my producer, Catherine Boyle, and I, and, uh, Kelly Betts, who's, uh, come up with an interesting sign, saying one minute. Well, it means one minute, doesn't it? Uh, I think, uh, if you want to ha- have your, uh, say about the, uh, by the way, the, uh, smartphones, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cl, go there. You can see a picture of my new phone. Phone, it's cracking. Oh, it's one, doesn't do anything. Phone calls and texts, that's it. Now, workers at Wolverton-based company have been told they won't get paid this month. It seems that Railcare are holding out for a takeover by a German firm before they can release the money, which has left staff wondering where the next mortgage payment is coming from. I'm joined now by Bob Crow, who is General Secretary for the RMT Union. Bob, this isn't 1813. Can companies legally do this? Yes, I'm afraid they can do it. I mean, they can revolve people's wages and... uh... The only recourse you've got is taking action directly against that company. So how many, pe- uh, how many people are affected and what kind of sums are we talking about here? We're talking about um, just over 100 people affected. Uh, and what you're talking about, uh, 170 actually. Um, and what you're talking about here is uh, sums of around about um, 600 to £800 pound, um, a week. 
has um, been withheld from them. And, and what and are Railcare saying? Well, if you, if, you, if, you, if you let me explain, I'll be able to tell you. There's no other recourse except for taking action directly against the company concerned that withholds their wages. The problem that we've got is that the company that was going to take over, the German company, supposed to sign a deal on Friday and release the money. They never signed the deal. And what that's left us with is that the company that owes the money uh, doesn't want the company anymore. And the other recourse is taking action at a tribunal, uh, which can take up to 9 to 12 months to uh, uh, happen. So the workers must be incredibly worried about their future. Well, I mean, just take it for yourself. How would you like to come into work yourself and just be told that you've got no money? Bob, Bob, I'm on your side. Don't come at me yeah. with the attitude, I'm on your side, mate. No, it's not an attitude at all. No, I'm just telling you exactly how else you think they would feel. Uh, the reality is, is that if the workers uh, refuse to come to work, they will be taken to court, or the union will be taken to court, to say they're not in a ballot for strike action. The employer can just say, not paying you, and it's legal. That's the imbalance that we've got in Britain today. Uh, do we know if they're going to get paid next month? Well, no, we don't. I mean, you know, um, we're hoping, we've spoken to the chief executive last night, who I've got to say has tried his very best, in my opinion, uh, to secure the money uh, forward for from this company. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, there's no money at the moment in time, and uh, our members are in a cleftic. Do they refuse to come to work because they're not being paid? Or, like the committed people they are, they want to keep the company going. Uh, for themselves and for the um, for the work they manufacture and uh, maintenance they do. So therefore, they have to come to work to make sure that the orders uh, have been prepared. I've got to say, what a dedicated bunch of people these are who have come to work with no money, uh, making sure that the firm keeps going. So, and, and that's your advice, then, is it to, to keep to showing up? Well, yes. I mean, they've got to show up. If they don't show up, I mean, people could just put out all together and say that they've uh, sacked themselves. So they turn up for work as per normal. And we're trying anything we can. Uh, we're making a phone call later on to Germany uh, to try and speak to the chief executive to see if some funding come forward so uh, members up there can be paid. Bob, thank you very much. No one wants to uh, to sack themselves off, do they? That would be an awful situation. Bob Crow there, General Secretary for the RMT uh, Union. We asked Railcare to come onto the programme this morning. They said no. I think Bob is used to being um, to speaking to radio presenters who are constantly challenging him and having a go at him. I was totally on his side there. How, how could you not be on his side in this situation? There are workers not getting paid. So I will excuse him his slightly defensive attitude. Maybe we woke him up early. I don't know. But, you know, it's on your side, Bob. You know. You had a fan there. You had a fan there. Should we have a quick look at the front page of the newspapers? Yes, let's do that. The Daily Telegraph. It's an advert for a BMW. Can newspapers do that? Yes, they can. They've sold their soul and their front page by putting an advert for a BMW. If we go inside, though, it ain't much better. It's an advert for Princess Beatrice on a beach. That's right. Multi-millionaire Princess Beatrice uh, is on a beach. Wind farm ban ruled out by ministers. Local councils told they cannot impose inflexible turbine-free zones near housing. Oh, no doubt we'll be talking. It's Judge Pickles again. Pickles is, is getting everywhere. Pickles in a right pickle, isn't he? Pickles is sticking his nose in everywhere. The double yellow lines the other day, which we'll, we'll be talking about a bit later on. He's talking about... The, it's, it's everywhere, Judge Pickles. Eric Pickles. Not Judge Pickles. Eric Pickles. Who am I to judge gay priests? Asked the Pope. Well, yeah... He kind of, he kind of sort of said, look, being gay is kind of okay, but there are a few caveats, like, you mustn't go out with other men, is pretty much what he said, yeah, and you've got to be full of guilt and shame. 
Um, injured by your smartphone, you see? Look at this. Smartpho- smartphones are ruining the fabric of society. It's not often I make sweeping statements like that. It's true. It's completely 100% true. They are the devil's toy. The independent. Inflation has killed the minimum wage, says its chief architect. And the Pope, who am I to judge gay people? Pope Francis held out an olive branch to gay people yesterday. That's nice of him, isn't it? Oh, saying he would not judge priests for their sexual orientation. If someone is gay and he searches for the Lord and has goodwill, who am I to judge? What he means is, if someone is gay but they don't do nothing about it with another fella, or indeed lady, uh, then well done you. Uh, The Times. Um, Oh, Cannes Raid is biggest gems theft in history. £88 million worth of diamonds. Pink Panther, isn't it? Pink Panther. Catherine Boyle, you, you, you seem determined to talk. What do you want to say? I don't know. There's part of me, and I, I would never say go out and rob people. But they do flash it about in Cannes, don't they? We're in a world recession. Yeah, but... but They're stalking around with diamonds that are worth more than you, me, and our kids combined. But someone has broken in to the Hotel Pink Panther style and stolen these things. That's, that's inappropriate behaviour. Do you think they used a winch? I hope they used a winch, and I hope they left a little calling card that indicated... If I was a thief, and I'm not, but I would be a Raffles-type thief, and I would leave a little calling card just to let people know it was me. OK, well, when that happens, I'll know who, d- who done it. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, it's Catherine Boyle there, who... I, 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 basically, she wouldn't shut up talking in my ear, so I thought I'd let you have a listen as to what I have to put up with every morning. Not that, though. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're talking about the smartphone ruining your relationship. Same with those pads as well. The iPads, the notepads, the, the Kindles, the, um, the Galaxy thingies, whatever they are. I've just seen a political reporter Paul Scoynes wander in and he's, he's waving his iPad around the place. He doesn't really... You don't realise, Paul, it's destroying your relationship. It, it is. Get rid of it. Deary me, Really? If you've made the bold step to get rid of your smartphone, do give me a call. 08459 455 555. Have you noticed? Now, I've, I've put that seed in your head. Have you noticed? You think, oh, actually, yes, I, I am ignoring my kids a little bit, or, or I'm not talking to my, my husband quite as much as I used to. 08459 455 555. Other things we're talking about this morning. Ten people who claim bedroom tax breaches their human rights will find out whether they've won their case later. An NHS director has announced it will no longer run the medical helpline 111 in Buckinghamshire as it no longer makes financial sense. Well, have you used the service? Is it any good? 08459 Send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can go to Facebook. If you want to see my new phone, it's up there, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Ten people who claim the so-called bedroom tax breaches their human rights will find out whether they've won their case this morning. The group, who are all disabled, say their health problems mean they need more space. Under the current rules, they stand to see their benefits reduced by 14% if they have one spare room and 25% if they have two or more. Well, Pauline Walton is a carer from Shefford and joins me now. Uh, Pauline, uh, tell me about your situation. Uh, well, my partner's disabled. Um, the flat that we are actually in is, is supposed to be a, a disabled flat with two bedrooms. And they were just trying to make me pay for this extra bedroom tax. So you've got a disabled uh, partner and uh-huh. uh, you've got two bedrooms and they, the, the council are saying because you are a couple, mm-hmm. you only need one bedroom. Yeah. And why do you need the second bedroom? Well, my partner suffers with... Um, He's in a wheelchair, you know, 24 hours type type of thing. Um, he has a, a spinal injury in his back, so obviously he, you know, he needs that bed for himself. Uh, and obviously, I need the other bedroom for, for like my health, really, to give me a break. Yeah, of course it must. And, and you're his sole carer, are you? Yeah, I'm his only carer. Yeah. Yeah, and of course it's, it, it, it is hard work, isn't it, looking after someone? It is, yeah, yeah. So what, what did the council say? They, they said, look, you, you, you've got a choice. You can either pay us more money or you can move out. What, what was your reaction to that? Well, I was annoyed. Um, I had help from the... Um, oh, I can't remember what they call it now. <laughs> um, some help I, I got yep. to fill all the forms and everything in. I got a letter from the doctor, you know, stating my partner's disability and everything. Um, for him to say, you know, I, I needed, like, room for myself. And um, we just kept getting letters saying that, you know, we, we owed rent arrears and this was all getting me worried and what have you. It started off where I owed £100 in rent, then it went up to £300 in rent. And that must have been quite worrying when you it start, was, yeah. th- these bills keep coming in. Yeah, yeah. But things have improved, have they, Pauline? What's, but, what happened? Um, well, I spoke to this gentleman and he asked me to send all his paperwork in, which I'd already had sent it in. And, um, I just get, you know, these letters saying I owed this rent and whatever, so I kept phoning them back up and, you know, saying I've sent all this paperwork in. Um, but what I couldn't understand was, um, they received the letter from what I'd sent him from the doctor, um, but they hadn't received, like, the rent change, what we get, like, yearly. Ah, uh, again, back to this, this bureaucracy uh, yeah. nonsense. But I couldn't understand why did they receive the letter from the doctor, but they didn't receive this rent thing when everything was in one envelope. But so they, they, they eventually you managed to get everything through, and what was the outcome, Pauline? Uh, well, I just got a letter back saying, uh, sorry for the delay and blah, 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 and oh. um, something about I will be recessed again in September. So but what does that mean? Have they let you off the money that you owe them until September? Well, as far as I know, that's, that's, that's as far as I've got, yeah. Um, I did get, because um, you get like a, a sheet, you know, stating your rent every so many months. And well, I got one yesterday, and uh, according to that, my rent was clear. So I'm surmising everything's been sorted out. So I, I imagine, Pauline, you, you'll have an eye on this case that's taking place uh, at the moment to see what the outcome is uh, mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Pauline, thank you very much, and fingers crossed, and we'll, we'll talk to you in September, no doubt, to find out what's happening. That's Pauline Walton, who cares for her partner in Sheffield. I'm joined now by Claire Asprey, who is from the National Housing Federation. 
it, it's a bit tough, isn't it? But things may be on the improvement there for, for Pauline, Claire, but it is tough on a lot of people, isn't it? Absolutely. And um, that's a very typical case, actually, Pauline's case, where you have a couple where one is the carer for the other. Um, and they are, because they're married, they're not entitled to a spare bedroom, even though many of them do need one. And I know there are several cases I'm aware of where you know, a disabled person has a, you know, a special hospital bed, or so much equipment in the room, there literally isn't room for their partner to sleep in the same room. That second bedroom isn't a luxury, it's an essential. Um, and, uh, of course, that's not being um, dealt with. So, you know, I'm really pleased to hear that she's got a, a, a top-up discretionary housing payment. Um, but the sad fact is there aren't enough discretionary housing payments to go around, even to, to go around all the disabled households that are out there, um, and they are temporary, you know, and, and people with major disabilities, no, that's not changing for them, but they, they might have to reapply regularly for those top-up payments, and that's always a worry to think that, you know, you have to go through that process again. Aragon Housing Association uh, recently produced a report on the first 100 days of um, the, the changes in benefits. It's not great reading. Some of the headlines are there's been a rise in the amount of arrears. Uh, there's a shortage of suitable smaller properties for people to downsize to. Uh, and there's still a shortage of jobs locally for people who might be trying to increase their work to make up the shortfall. Yeah, uh, it's an excellent report which sets out exactly some of the impacts of the bedroom tax policy and how it particularly has you know, really bad outcomes for disabled people who are struggling to, you know, to, to either stay or to pay. Um, this is why the, the National Housing Federation is sort of very keen to see a judgment today in favour of uh, disabled people. And we, we've been opposed to the bedroom tax from day one, and we think it's an unfair and unworkable policy. Um, but we certainly hope that we will protect the disabled and vulnerable people through this court case. Um, and, you know, and it's really important that we continue to see these reports like Aragon Housing Association's work that throw light on what the actual uh, outcomes and impacts are of things like the bedroom tax. Because, you know, although we want to see the best use made of the homes that we've got, the way that this um, is working is just not fair on many disabled and vulnerable households. And it's not, you know, they, they don't have an option to downsize because the homes aren't available and they, they struggle to pay because they're already, you know, they can't get extra work, they can't get work at all, or they have very major disabilities and caring responsibilities. Um, and the irony is that many of these people are saving the state a lot of money because if their partners had to go into full-time care, it would cost vastly more than the £15 a week that they might be being charged in bedroom tax. Um, and that's not being recognised very well at the moment. Claire, if there are people at home listening to this and they're getting worried because bills keep mounting up and, and they're in rent arrears, what advice would you have for them? Well, absolutely. I mean, what's really scary for some people is that for many people it's the first time they've ever been in arrears. Um, you know, people who have kept up with their rent, have never had any problems at all, and it is a very scary thing for them to start seeing these letters come through. I think pointing to the evidence of that. Um, so we always say to speak to their landlord as soon as possible and keep that communication going. We know that housing associations are, you know, have been putting more people onto the front line for the last year or more to help people with budgeting, to help people to move house, 
to help people through this change uh, and to, to find a solution that might work for them and to help them apply for their discretionary payments and so on. So, but it's really important to ask for help as early as possible and keep that, com- and keep that communication because the, the landlords don't want to see people to struggle either. You know, they want to have a good, happy tenant who's living in a house that they can afford and that's absolutely what we're all trying to achieve here. Claire, thank you very much indeed. That's Claire Asprey from the National Housing Federation. We'll be following the uh, court case uh, as it proceeds and um, see, let you know as the result as soon as it comes out. Quick look at some of the um, uh, rest of the front pages. God, the tat that is being given away free because of this flipping royal baby. The Daily Express, yesterday they had a thimble worth nine ninety nine. Today, free Prince George commemorative piggy bank for every reader worth twelve ninety nine. Turn to page 25. Let's have a look. How do they know it's worth twelve ninety? If they're giving it away for free, then it's worth nothing, isn't it? Isn't it? Free limited edition commemorative souvenir ceramic piggy bank. On the last day of our Royal Baby collection this week, they've been having a whole week. What other bits and pieces are they giving away? Oh, my goodness. Royal Baby birth date and name commemorative ceramic piggy bank. Additional ceramic piggy bank. Charm bracelet. Adorable child's foot charm. I'm looking at a picture. That ain't adorable. That's creepy. This limited edition bank is fit for a king. Ah, uh, ah, uh, to save precious pennies and available exclusive to Daily Express readers for only five pounds twenty postage. Five pounds twenty postage. This is also your last chance to pick up a charm bracelet and complete your collection of commemorative charms. Each charm is perfect for use on a bracelet, necklace, or simply as a keepsake. Today's charm is an adorable child's foot charm. The last charm to add to your raw baby charm collection. Charming. This exclusive charm is available to express readers for only 4.99 plus there's another opportunity to collect your charm bracelet i've never read the word charm so many times in my it's lost all meaning now don't worry if you've missed any of this week's royal baby offers i was worried but it turns out i shouldn't be calm down simply view the whole range online at their website <laughs> i'm not saying what the website is because i'm going to keep it all for myself i don't want any of you to get these charming charms they're my charms hands off my charms you charming lot nhs direct has announced it will no longer run the medical helpline 111 in buckinghamshire and other parts of the country saying it no longer makes financial sense Health bosses are confident they'll find a new provider for the service, but it's certainly a major blow for 111, which has been criticised since its launch in April. Well, Bill Savage joins me now. He lives in Amersham. Morning, Bill. Good morning, Ian. How's Amersham this morning, a place I'm very fond of? It's uh, fairly dull. Oh, that's a shame. Never mind. I'm sure it'll brighten up. Now, listen, you've used 111 in the past, haven't you? Yes, I have. What happened... Well, it happened on a Friday evening at nine o'clock. Um, I had what turned out to be a blocked tear duct. My face was swelling, and I realised I met the criteria for 111. It was not an emergency. It was in need of diagnosis and treatment. I've never heard of a blocked tear duct before. You say your face was swelling. How, yes. how big was it getting? Uh, it was uncomfortable. The face was stretched, and um, um, I-, I was worried. I didn't know what it was. No, of course not. You, you, you'd be very surprising. So you called one one one. Yeah. What happened? Well, they took five minutes to answer. Uh, the total process time was over an hour, and I was talking to a call handler who was clearly inexperienced and uh, unsure of what to do. I've not called one one one, Bill. What 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 happened in the hour? Were you getting passed between people, or was that the whole hour of that person questioning you? 
Uh, well, the whole process was laborious and bureaucratic and mm. confused. I had constant requests to identify myself, and the call handler constantly sought advice and left me hanging on to oh. the silent phone. Oh. I never spoke to a nurse or, or to a clinician, and in the end, I solved the call myself. Oh. Uh, I told the call handler I did not want an ambulance, and I didn't want to visit A&E, and I wanted an appointment with an out-of-hours GP. And that was like the magic words. At that point, I was transferred to an out-of-hours uh, GP, and I got an appointment uh, for the next uh, morning uh, in Amersham, which is what I did. Oh, so, uh, so were they pushing for you to get an ambulance to take you to hospital then? Well, it was very confused. I mean, the options were clearly there as to what to do, but uh, in the end I had to say to them, look, I don't need any, I don't need a, a uh, an ambulance. What I need is to talk to a GP. And uh, they said, OK, uh, this is after an hour, and eventually I was transferred, <laughs> and the, the uh, appointment was made. You, you, you know, so you've done the equivalent on, on some of those automated phone services where if you press the star button enough, it goes, oh, I'm sorry, I don't understand that. I'll put you through to a human being. And it sounds by you mentioning the magic words, can I speak to a GP? Yep. That that, that was enough to unblock the system for That's you. That's right. But it depended upon me uh, knowing something about this stuff because I'm quite an experienced NHS volunteer. I'm the uh, chairman of the Thames Valley Cancer Network. And I go to many H NA NHS meetings, so I understand something about the system. If I'd been older, and if I'd been less experienced, God knows what would have happened. Would it have been easier, Bill, if you'd have been speaking to someone who was medically trained? Well, of course. Um, uh, I never got to speak to a clinician or to a nurse, and they could have reassured me. They could have said, you know, this is not really uh, a life-threatening uh, issue. Uh, but I never got that far. And um, uh, so, yes, of course it would have been, but that's not the way the system's set up. Did you ever call um, NHS Direct back in the day? Yes, I did. And how did, how did the two compare? Well, um, I'm a kidney cancer patient, and I presented with uh, uh, the, the problem, and we called NHS Direct. And... I hadn't good. Ex I did not have good experience of NHS right. direct, so I can't say that you mm. know one was better than the other. Mm. Uh, and Bill, you, you, your eye duct has been unblocked. Yeah, I am fascinated by that. Well, how did they unblock it? Did they put a pin in and pull something out? What, what, what did they do? Uh, no, it was uh, antibiotic, ah. and uh, it resolved itself over a week or so. And everything's fine now. Everything's fine now. Bill, I appreciate your time this morning. Bill Savage from Amersham. If you've used the 111 service, uh, then do give me a call. 08459 455555. How did you find it? Sounds like a... I've heard mixed reactions on various phone-ins about this. But it sounds like Bill uh, there had a, a very frustrating uh, experience. We did invite NHS Aylesbury Vale and Chiltern Clinical Commissioning Group onto the programme. They said no, but they did send us a statement. Thanks, guys. By the way, can I just say to company, sending a statement, uh, you, you know, you kind of cross, come, across, come across not looking so cool. Uh, it says, we are aware of the position regarding NHS Direct and considering other providers who could operate this service for us. 111 in Bucks currently operates very well, and we would not normally be looking for another provider at this point in time, but we understand the need to do this. Well, there you go. 08459 455555. <laughs> 
Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. The bedroom tax, it's a lazy description. I think we're calling it the, is it the spare room subsidy now? That's what we're, we're referring to it as, the spare room subsidy. We, 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 there is a court case going on today, uh, and the result should be announced later on today, where people will decide, a judge will decide, uh, whether the spare room subsidy, the bedroom tax, the reduction in benefits if you've got a spare room in your house, whether it's discriminatory against disabled people. I'm keen to get your thoughts on this. 08459 455 555. Have you been affected by this? Do you think it is unfair that uh, that some people because just because of disabled needs and things like that, that some people, they are being forced to, to pay extra money. Or do you think, well hang on a second, they've got a spare room. Well, it doesn't matter what the situation is. They've got a spare room, get on with it. 08459 455 555. Also, smartphones. I've I planted this seed in your head. Think about it. They are killing your relationships. Back in the day, 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have been sat in your living room with your partner. A word I despise, by the way. You wouldn't have been sat there, both of you looking at your little screens while the TV's on at the same time. You'd have been talking or arguing or making love. Or doing something, that contact, that intimacy, has disappeared now because of phones, these smartphones. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have you noticed this? Are you aware of this? Have you seen the change in your relationship because of it? Now I've mentioned it, I think you'll you'll go. Oh yeah, actually, that's the point. If you want to see my new phone, I've downgraded. If you want to see my new phone, go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can have a look at it. All it does, phone calls and texts, nothing else. Nothing else at all. It's day three. I'm a bit itchy, but I think I'm getting by. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Uh, Eric Pickles was in the paper again the other day. Uh, he, he wants to um, make it legal for you to be able to park on double yellow lines for 15 minutes. He thinks it will revitalise the high street. I thinks it will cause chaos. Well, Justin Dealey's out and about. Justin, where are you this morning, sir? I'm in Dunstable. What, why would it cause chaos? I'm confused. Um, let me think. Because mm. double yellow lines are there to keep roads clear. But then again, don't we want to keep our local businesses open? At the expense of a travel anarchy? If everybody could park on double yellow lines for 15 minutes, how do you police that 15 minutes? How do you keep an eye on that? Mm. And there are reasons that you can't park on certain roads. You need to keep those roads clear for vehicles to drive through. Buses and ambulances and cars. You can't just park on a double yellow line, Justin. That's insanity. I, I know what you're saying, but some double yellow lines, where they are positioned, if somebody was to park there and, and use a local business, they would not be causing an obstruction by balls. having those lines there. Utter, by having those lines there, balls. you could put people off using their local no, business. That no. could then go out of business. No, no, utter balls, Justin. Go, have it so you can park in and um, pay in display base for 15 minutes for free. Do that. That's a good
longer compromise. No to double yellow lines. It's a nonsense. Well, I'll tell you what, I have been talking to Peter Doran this morning in Dunstable. Of course, Dunstable, uh, all sorts of problems there with the high street, not doing particularly well. Uh, he runs the butchers there, and I spoke to him a moment ago, and this is what happened. Well, Pete, we're standing just outside your shop. Now, out the front of your shop, you've got a few bays here, but apart from that, you're surrounded by double yellow lines. If people could park on those lines for 15 minutes, do you think your business would, would increase dramatically? I wouldn't say dramatically, but it would certainly help. And as I said, you know, people, there isn't enough parking in Dunstable. Uh, you know, most uh, side streets are all taken up by people who go to work, so they park there. Uh, so, yeah, it, it certainly would help, yeah. Because we know people that have parked just around that corner there on Union Street, very close to, uh, to where your shop is. They've nipped in to buy something. They've been fined by the CCTV van, and they're not going to come back. That can't be great for you, can it? Well, no. As I said, one of those customers who done that actually come into my shop, mm. and literally, like, he was still in the motor, and his wife came in for some sausages, and uh, he got a, a, a nice little ticket. Mm. So, yeah, at the end of the day, if he could do that legally, as long as they can police it, so they only stay there for 10, 15 minutes, then it would work. Do you think something like that may revive this high street, or is it simply too late for that now? Um, I don't think it would revive it, but it certainly would help small businesses. Mm. Because at the end of the day, we need all the customers we can get. Because yeah. as I said, like, um, the big stores have got parking, so they do their one-stop shop. But these will help where people want to get a few little bits... And just oh, know where to park. Oh, I can park on a double yellow line. I can nip in, do the shopping, and away we go. And you already mentioned some of the, the, the big problems in Dunstable. Parking's one of them. That certainly puts people off. As we look up the high street here, why is this high street not doing very well, in your opinion, as a local businessman? Um, just too much traffic throughput. As I said, you know, it can take you... I live the other end of Dunstable, and uh, to get home can take me 20 minutes, which in the morning, when I leave at, you know, 6 o'clock, it takes me two. So, you know, at the end of the day, they've got to get, as I said, all the lorries from coming uh, on this street, um, going from sort of like Milton Keynes area up into London. Stop that, you've got half a chance. OK, so if they could police this properly, and it was just for 15 minutes, you would certainly welcome this proposal with open arms. If they can police it properly, yeah. Yeah, I think it would work. But, as I said, you know, it's an awful lot of pressure on... Um, the traffic wardens who, you know, there's only a few of them anyway, um, that I, don't, I can't see them policing it properly. Okay, and the big question, what's your biggest selling meat inside your shop right now? What's your biggest selling meat then, Pete? Oh, I specialise in my sausages and obviously uh, I, I do my homemade burgers because at the end of the day, people want to know what goes in them. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, they're at the moment in the summer weather, yeah. They really do go well. Fantastic. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Pete. No problem at all. There you go. And that was uh, Peter Doran Butcher in Dunstable. I think personally, and again, this is just my personal view, if somebody parks on a double yellow line for 15 minutes and it's causing no obstruction, that can only be a good thing just, for high streets. Justin, just remind me, sorry, how you'd police that. How would I police it? Yeah, well, how would you know yes, they've been there yeah. for 15 minutes? Just, know, just tell me that. That's going to be the difficult issue. As you <laughs> mentioned, as pizza, it doesn't but, work. But you've got to say, it's you know, flawed. When, when high streets like Dunstable, what yep. you don't want to see is every shop closing down. Nope. Such a major issue here with parking. Yep. If somebody is going to park there for 10 minutes and go to, to a butcher's or, a, or another shop and they're going to buy something to keep that person in business, surely that's more important, isn't it? It's Listen, something needs to be done. Of course it does. Parking on double yellow lines is most definitely not the answer. 
I think your listeners will uh, agree with me on this one. Do, do you, can you go and have a speak to some people, see, oh, what, they do, yeah. see what they yeah. think, and we'll come back to you later? Mm. Cheers, my dears. I'm, I'm prepared to be proven wrong on this. I don't think it's the answer. Parking on double yellow lines is insanity. Most of them, not all of them, most of them are in places for good reason. Because you need a steady flow of traffic. Make it so you can park in pay and display bays free for 15 minutes. That, that would work. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'm right on this one, aren't I? Yes. Call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, fantastic, fantastic stuff indeed. Morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Some texts have come in or Facebook comments. Sorry about how. Um, uh, how f- smartphones are ruining your relationship. You're agreeing with me? Trudy Wren says, I think they could. I went out yesterday as a family. We both left our phones at home. You see? You believe the phones at home. Ruth says, yes, smartphones are ruining my marriage. Isn't that sad? Isn't that a sad start to a, a Facebook post? Smartphones are ruining my marriage. My husband, Jez, dump him, Ruth, spent, b- by text, spends more time texting, surfing, and on Facebook, as well as using, here we go, chat sites chat sites is what i would be worried about than he does talking to me at one point we were communicating through text as i appeared to be able to get more chat that way having said that wouldn't be without them ruth hi wickham (laughs) 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 it's she starts our first line smartphones are ruining my marriage having said that wouldn't be without them Well done, Ruth. And Trevor says, yeah, but now you can play the addictive snake game. Yes, I will be playing snake a lot. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five is the telephone number. If you want to give me a call, it's true. They are ruining your relationships. Now, you might remember a story we did uh, a while ago about a group of Luton pensioners who were threatening to march on the town hall in a bid to keep their living wardens. Well, here with news of whether they need to paint up some placards is our political reporter, Paul Scoynes. Paul, good morning. Morning. We've also got one of the potential protesters uh, joining us, Veronica Gudgeon. She uh, doesn't know what happened yet, Paul, so we have, uh, you've got all the power in this. Morning, Ver- uh, Veronica. Good morning. How are you this morning? Okay. Fine, thank you. Okay, well, we're about to find out what's been happening. Paul, what, what's the latest? Where are we with Well, uh, the meeting last night of Luton Borough Council's executive uh, decided that the uh, managers, the scheme managers, often referred to probably more commonly as wardens, highly valued by tenants, uh, they are going to remain uh, where they are says uh, those managers who live on site particularly those ones very well valued uh, they will remain on site at 10 sheltered housing schemes as well as Luton's two extra care sheltered housing schemes. They're, sorry, sorry, finish that sentence. Sorry. That, that was the first Okay, step. so th- they're all staying? Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to keep the uh, the sort of locations they are going to be some that are sort of merged into sort of day teams. Okay. So th- they, they, they might not always reside on site that that was clear mm-hmm. um they they are going to sort of bring in a different sort of way of working eventually but uh the the the, the residential managers who are there at the moment they're going to stay and, and, and what's the long-term outlook for this you well, say that the, 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 yeah. you might change over time so this is the change so the council will be introducing these neighborhood scheme managers across a variety of different locations so they will be able to support across a wider range they say they will also create a so-called dedicated telecare team uh, to carry out installation testing 
things of the alarm service as well and also to support tenants and uh, managers as well uh, and, and they say that by having this sort of telecare team which is something uh, not just Luton is doing it's, it's being used across uh, various areas central beds are looking at this as well as Hertfordshire as well um, they will you know they say be able to spend more time with tenants they're also going to employ a dedicated activities coordinator to make sure that uh, the the tenants in those sheltered housing uh, have more opportunity mm. to get involved and socialised and they're also going to be undertaking an improvement uh, programme as well on Luton sheltered housing stock and uh, they will be especially looking to modernise communal lodges. Well as I say we, we do have Veronica who is one of the uh, residents there but Veronica this is this is the first you've heard of this news what's your initial reaction? Um, I'm not too sure about this I, I'm, I, I'm not too happy about it because it sounds to me as though um, we're going to have strangers who don't know us um, if they're not on site most of the time, like they are now, uh, they do have to go off-site, obviously. Mm. Um, but most of the time they are around. Uh, they know us inside out. But the if, they, if we're going to get different wardens who, who don't know us... Um, I can't see how that's going to work. You can build up a relationship, though, with them, couldn't you, Veronica? If, even if it's a team of, of, of several different wardens, you, you could build up a relationship over time with them, can you? You didn't know your warden now at one, one point. No, I, I agree. Um, I, just can't, I just can't see it working. There's something that tells me that this is going to be more clinical than it has been. What, what the uh, the scheme managers are being told, Veronica, is that they can choose to either remain on site or, or move off site as well, and there'll be support for those if those people choose to move off site as well. So you might see some change, but it does look like on the face of it, the most will remain. Right. So those that remain, um, will it be a secure tenancy for them now, or or? or um because it was tied accommodation. Will it still be tied accommodation? Well, I think that's. I don't think that's been quite made clear, and I think that's something that we would, would need to look in uh, over time and study the report uh, in more detail and, and indeed speak to the relevant authorities. It does sound to me, on my initial hearing, if I'm completely honest, it sounds like the start of a long process of slowly fading them out by changing the, the the amount of time they are committed to various residencies it, it, it does sound like it could be a, a a long time fading out yeah i mean well i mean what, what what they're saying is that they're they're not going to you know remove them at the moment they're going to keep them where they are and, and that's as a result of the consultation that they've had with residents as well as families as well and what they're also saying is that a lot of the stock and you probably know this veronica isn't in a particularly great shape and so what they're going to try and do is bring more of it back to make them more attractive for people to live in and also therefore uh, bring in a bit more money right um I'm, I'm still, I can't say that I'm, I'm mm. 100% happy about it because uh, oh, none of us would really like change. Um, but we're all, we're, everybody's having to make compromises uh, at the moment in these times of austerity, aren't we? And I know it, it's not particularly fair. It, 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 it does sound like it's gone a little bit better than perhaps it could have done. Yes, yes, I'll, I'll give it that. But it's um, <laughs> right trying to you've sort of put me on the spot because yeah. i'm trying to um think of what to say yeah um because well, I, i'm a bit surprised that uh, it hasn't 
totally gone our way. Okay, so 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 in, so in some ways that's a benefit then. That's that's a bonus, isn't it? can be yeah, yeah i suppose okay um, well listen veronica i appreciate you coming on and, and and we we have kind of yes you have only just heard this for the first time here have a little think about it talk to your your friends and your neighbors um and may, maybe we can speak a bit later in the week to find out what the the general consensus is amongst your peers but you haven't given a great deal of detail have you really well i mean there is a or lot you've not been given a great well, deal no, there is detail. a lot of there's a lot of detail which we probably can't go into in, in such a short interview but i mean the, 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 the top line is that they're going to keep these managers in the schemes that you're in at the moment and the two uh, extra care facilities they're going to bring in a program of modernization and uh, and hope to sort of look t- to make some changes to the way that these are staff but what they say is that as users of the service you won't notice any difference is what they're saying but i mean okay there will be different people retire and then there probably won't be anybody at all well well that's not what they're saying they're saying they're going to keep you know they are going to re-advertise for jobs as well so and you're going to get free wi-fi Right, okay. Uh, we've got a. Uh, let's go stay there for a second, Veronica. We've got uh, Peter in Warmer Green. Morning, Peter. Hi. Peter, would you like to comment on this, would you? Yeah, sure. I live on a sheltered housing site. Yes. And be- because I'm. Although our manageress doesn't live on site, she's here four days a week. Yeah. Now she reads mail for a person who's short, got very bad eyesight. She does all sorts of things on site yep. for people. If they lose someone, they've got someone to talk to. Yes. It isn't. But they're only, she's only there four days a week, and, and you managed to survive with those four days, do you, Peter? Well, it's only recently she had to reduce her hours. Right. But having said that, if you look at the situation on a site, a lot of people live independent lives on sheltered housing sites. They wouldn't be able to if you didn't have a site manager. No. She has actually, over the years she's been here, she's found dead people as well. So don't go... Go, don't go down a pathway thinking it's just one situation. It's independence for loads of people. Yeah. But you survive, just, you do survive those three days that she's not there? Well, yes, but there is the pool call system. We pay £500 a year for that. Yeah. And we, I never use, I've used it once by accident. But I've been here 11 years. Paul wants to say something. Well, Luton say that their telecare system will be something very similar to that. So you've got sort of, there are comparative systems. And this is, you know, this is a a system in Luton which I think Veronica will probably agree needed modernisation anyway. So this this is the first step towards that. Uh, Peter, thank you very much. Veronica, we will speak to you at a later date to find out what the consensus is. Paul, stay there because I'd like to speak to you after the news. We were talking Uh yesterday about the the travellers and the gypsies uh, that have pulled up in, in Luton, yeah. and you've also got some news on that, haven't yeah, you? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that after the news. I see you've got some interesting photographs there, so I look forward to uh, having those explained to me. Uh, good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, yesterday uh, on the show, we were talking about travellers who had uh, pulled up uh, in Luton, and that Paul Scoynes is still with me, political reporter. The meeting you were at last night, there was talk about the gypsy and traveller problem, wasn't there? Yeah, that's right. One of the uh, items on the agenda at Luton Borough Council last night was to deal with the uh, problems they've had with uh, the sort of traveller community over the last couple of weeks in mm. the summer, and uh, they've adopted a policy of immediate eviction in the town, and specifically looking at targeting uh, the area around Wigmore, which is where we were yesterday, and our reporter was at yesterday. Yep. Uh, the, the councillor uh, sort of in charge of this was saying that there was a high level of spending that had taken place in the past and little effect had uh, had happened off the back of that. And the local councillor uh, was saying that there have been two encroachments this summer, a history of encroachments over the years in this area, and uh, a number of residents have been put in a very difficult 
position there were two in- encampments on uh, an area around Colwell Rise then those uh, travellers moved immediately onto Headley Rise which was the park opposite literally mm. opposite uh, and they uh, then had to go through the whole eviction process again he said they then went to Pope's Meadow and now onto Manor Park and uh, they said that this motion was a direct response to the residents calls for action um, and admitted the council that they had to be taken more seriously they heard about these stories of threatening behaviour we had stories about people being trapped in their homes as well uh, there was also calls for the police to do more action and uh, councillors saying that whenever they'd gone to the police the police had said well it's the council's job and uh, and vice versa so you spoke to residents didn't you yeah that's right residents afterwards i, I dashed outside grabbed a, a few of them and uh, this is what they had to say oh excuse me no it's my fault i'm all over the place here it is there's always been travelers in the area for as long as i can remember but this has been the first time they've been immediately onto my back garden and when i say immediately they park their caravans right by the fence cooking equipment all out defecating by the fences and everything else total mess dumping loads of rubbish in the in the corner police had done nothing about i rang the police virtually every day they were on there for seven days two or three times a day they came once when i put an emergency call in they took some pictures of the fence talked to the residents and said we'll come back if they do any more damage and that was the total response from the police that i got just to support that as well i had a caravan it was parked literally my bike my back fence I look out at the fence and the people are looking over that's in their caravan it's quite a high sort of motor van and they're looking physically intimidating you in your own house or the curtains are closed or the doors are closed the windows are all shut and, and you're, you're trapped in your own house and after five days i counted 23 cans that have been thrown over just to, as a <laughs> an example and how does that make you feel as a resident yeah i think the most um frightening thing is we didn't it was like prisoners in our own home for them how many days they were and you went in our and back said garden. to them about um, the language they were using to at, at lorraine and then i went around there and said to them about it and they it was just one of their one of their older kids told them to stop doing it in the end but the abuse they were giving us, you know what I mean? Unbelievable abuse. Do you feel that you're getting support from the council, local no, authority? You get no support whatsoever. You phone up and they just go, yeah, we know. And it's just This no is the special traveller hotline, isn't hotline. it? Hotline. You phone the police, they don't want to know. The police just told us, keep logging it. There's more complaints you make, the more we can do something about it. But they do absolutely nothing. The council admit, Ian, that they have uh, had an unacceptable response to the Traveller hotline and uh, and they've said that the, the call centre is reviewing this and they're putting extra um, time and extra handlers in place. I was listening to JVS yesterday. Mm. Um, I, my radio dial is, is broken, so I'm forced to. But uh, it was a cracking discussion about this and he spoke to a traveller who said that he would... This traveller said he would never use... He was brought up never to use the toilet in the caravan. That He was, 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 thought it was disgusting for some reason. Uh, and there was talk of travellers uh, defecating in parks. We had it mentioned on this show and on JVS's show. Um, I didn't believe it, but you've just handed me the, the most atrocious set of photographs yeah. I've seen. Without, you know, bearing in mind we have young ears, what, what are we seeing here? Well, we're looking at just that. Um, we're looking at the, you know, the after effects of that, if you like. Um, these are photographs that residents had taken and had presented to the council yesterday. There is human faeces in a park. Yeah. There's a pair of dirty blue pants. Yeah. 
Um, uh, th- and there's several examples of this. This there's is awful. Examples of rubbish <clears> all <throat> around the park and, uh, you know, damage done to the park itself. And also people's back gardens, which they say have had uh, litter thrown in them. And, um, you know, some of the things we've had are pretty intimidating, I guess. Uh, certainly... You know, the, the new order in place is supposed to change that. It's supposed to make it quicker for the uh, council and the police to uh, be able to evict. So we shall see whether or not that actually has an effect. Paul Scoins, thank you very much. Those pictures, that is, I thought that was a myth. I thought that was um, hateful nonsense spouted by people who didn't want travel. It's disgusting. I would suggest put that on Facebook, but I, I don't think we should. It's awful. Absolutely awful. I think it's nuts. Oh, I didn't mean to press that, but do you know what? It's quite appropriate. That'll do. 08459 455 555. Smartphones are ruining your relationship. Think about it. Think about how much time you spend talking to and with your partner. You don't, because you're on your smartphones. Well, I'm joined now by John and Irma Musto. They've been married for years, and as authors of the Penny Pinchers Guide... Well, John and Irma, I'm guessing you don't do smartphones. No, we don't, do we? (laughs) (laughs) We've had mobile phones for years, which are useful, but they've become more and more intrusive, haven't they? Well, they have. Have you spotted this? Couples in restaurants or even out in, in the street together, not even talking to each other. They're busy looking at, at, at their phones. Yes, we have. We, we had um, four of our grandchildren uh, a couple of days ago staying with us. And uh, they were all sitting around the room uh, on their smartphones. Uh, and sometimes they were actually talking to each other on their smartphones <laughs> rather than just... <laughs> across the room made us laugh well i thing is i've done that and it's only when you take a step away from it for a bit as i've done i'm only on day three of not having a smartphone you take a step away and you realize just how crazy that is yeah (laughs) and sometimes it can be really useful i mean you know people have to communicate and they need to get jobs done and so on but i think it's a lot of it's a sort of what you call displacement activity you know it's Fills the time. Yes. Am I just being Irma? Am I just being a grumpy old so 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 and so like you? Is this is this not part of the evolution of humankind? The, the, the communication develops over years, doesn't it? Is this not just a natural evolution? I hope not, because I do think that it's a skill killer as well. You know, pe- people are sitting and, and living in a virtual world. And, and they're not learning how to do things other than these two thumbs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to have huge thumbs before. Well, yeah, we're, yes, we're going to evolve massive thumbs. How do you two? You've been together for like ever. Yeah. Uh, and you're laughing and everything. Yeah. <laughs> how do you two keep it fresh? We're best friends. Yep. We always have been. Yeah, that helps. And um, then. We do tend to talk about things that interest us, and it's likely to interest the other one as well. Mm. So you get a conversation going. So you don't talk about what you've seen on Twitter? No. (laughs) On whose whose Facebook status you've you've just winked at or whatever? Yeah. In fact, um, you know, Facebook, well, I I do have a Facebook account. (gasps) John, does Erman know about this? Oh, yes. (laughs) and our elder, I, I asked my eldest daughter, you know, she's quite up on computers, so should I go on Facebook? And she looked at me and she said, 
Nah. <laughs> Don't it, go that way. <laughs> it's not the way. Listen, John and Emma Musso, it's always lovely to talk to you, authors of The Penny Pincher's Guide. Some of your comments on Facebook. Jenny says, it's only a matter of self-discipline. There's an off button on most phones, or a silent button if you can't bear to turn it off. Then you can just pick up emails, texts, etc., when it's convenient for you and your family. Smartphones are a tool, not a master. I disagree. I think for some people, they are a master. It's the way they're becoming. Christina is laughing at my phone, my old uh, Nokia. There is a picture of it on the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Wow, that phone circa 1995. Do you have to put a SIM card the size of a credit card in the back? Yeah, you sort of do, but I've got a little adapter so my tiny SIM fits in. Good idea, though, Ian. I lost my phone on holiday last month, had no internet or social media for a week. I actually found it hard. Bit sad, really. How I cope before smartphones uh, is beyond me. What I'm going to do, I'm not completely going off twitter and facebook and emails i'm going to check them in the morning at work and check them in the evening when i put the kids to bed and that's it and i'm itchy i'm a little bit itchy and a bit anxious but already i'm starting to feel a little bit better i think BBC Three Counties Radio. Suddenly it's three minutes past eight. How'd that happen? Lots to cram in between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including ten people who claim bedroom tax breaches their human rights will find out whether they've won their court case later on today. And they will no longer run the medical helpline 111 in Buckinghamshire as it no longer makes financial sense. And double yellow lines. Eric Pickles thinks that we should be allowed to park on them for 15 minutes. And that will save the high street. Well, I'm not completely convinced it will work. I think it's a pretty poor idea. Although Scott has tweeted me, parking on double yellows would help our shop out loads. Would it really, though, Scott? Your shop? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can uh, send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455555. Email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. BBC Three Counties Radio. 459 455 555. Jane's in Aylesbury on the subject of double yellow lines. Jane. Hello, Ian. Do you think it will make. What are you giggling for? That's <laughs> alright. I'm, I'm so tired. I've got my eyes are streaming. Your eyes are streaming. You've not got blocked tear ducts, have you? <laughs> Did you hear our gentleman earlier on with blocked <laughs> tear ducts? Yeah. What happens if his dog dies? Would his head explode? <laughs> I you... don't know. No. It would be very painful. Why are you so tired, Jane? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I'm a night owl, but I have to get up early this morning, so I'm meeting somebody at half past nine. Oh, so w- what time did you go to bed? Quarter past one. <gasps> what? Uh, and what time did you get up? Half past seven. Jane, that's insane! In the <laughs> membrane! You can't live like that! <laughs> I've got to get into a better habit. It's you nightmare. have got to... Why do you stay up so late? Are you an insomniac, or are you watching good films? What was going on? No, I, ju- I just happen to be a night owl. Okay. I've always been a night owl, yes. and it's just that... Uh, it just gets me in the morning. Well, don't arrange meetings for half past nine in the morning, you silly sausage. <laughs> Ooh. What What do you think about double yellow lines? Should we be allowed to park on them for 15 minutes? Well, they'd have to do a hell of a lot of work. Yep. They'd have to take... Um, because in Ellsbury High Street, they've actually made our high street narrower. Oh. Um, 
and they put a, a walking great bus stop right in the middle of the high street. Yeah. Um, they've got double yellow lines on one side. People still park on double yellow lines in Aylesbury. Yeah. And they get tickets, and I say, yes, when I see them get a ticket. Oh. Yes, yeah, so you right. Uh, uh, do you know what? I kind of have the same reaction when people... When I get walk past the car with a ticket, part of me thinks, well, you shouldn't have parked there. Exactly. Them's the rules. Yeah, yeah. But th- there are some. Bit, I mean, Eric Pickles thinks, and Justin Dealey, my, uh, my good friend and colleague, also thinks it would it would help save the high street if you could just park fifteen minutes, <laughs> nip out, nip into the shops, get you know, get a leg of uh, leg of lamb and and, and uh, a jumper somewhere, that it would it would help the high streets. Then we daft fifteen minutes. If everybody did fifteen minutes, and there's there's say three shops that really want to go into, you get a queue. Mm. You're going to get a ticket, but there's nowhere going to be in and out in fifteen minutes. You've got to find what you want, then you've got to stand and wait and pay for it. It, it, it is an answer. It has to, if it's going to be, if they're going to have to do this, it's going to have to be a bit longer and they're going to have to put restrictions up saying, no, return in half an hour or something. Uh, exactly. And how could you, you couldn't please, I've been sent a message here, it's rather, it's got abusive language in, so I'm censoring it. <laughs> uh, the, the, the warden could jot your number plate and time down in a little book. Oh, if you're still no. there, uh, no, it, it gets even worse. If you're still there after 15, you get a ticket. Easy. And then abusive language is, is flung at me. It wouldn't work. So hang on, every time a new car pulls up, if it's a long high street, yeah, you've got yeah. a tra- what, poor traffic warden trying to jot down every new number plate and then yeah. Setting his st- stopwatch and go- it wouldn't work. No, no. They'd, they'd have to take at least one one of the yellow lines out and put a restriction in and say no return in half an hour or something. Yeah, exactly. Fifteen well, minutes just won't work. No, Jane. Listen, off you go to your meeting. Go and have a nice cup of coffee or something. <laughs> I'm gonna need it. Ta-ta. She does not have much sleep, but she she it makes her giggle. When I've not had much sleep, it makes me kick the cat. That's what happens. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Parking for fifteen minutes on double yellow lines. It couldn't work, or could it? No. Ten disabled people will find out today if they've won their court case against government changes to housing benefit. Lawyers for the claimants argued that the new bedroom tax breached their clients' human rights, as social housing tenants with disabilities have been unfairly included in the welfare benefits cut because they often need more space to cope with their health needs. One of the possible solutions to the bedroom tax is house swaps. But do they really work? And are there enough houses to go round? Marie Taylor is the Head of Housing Management Services at Bedford-based Housing Association, BPHA. Uh, Morning, Marie. No one really wants to swap, do they? Good morning. Um, Well, we have noticed that there's been an increase in the number of mutual exchanges that have taken place. So people are sometimes taking that opportunity to change their circumstances. But it's not necessarily because they want to, it's because they're afraid. Most people are waiting for the, the, the bedroom tax to get thrown out of the window, aren't they? I don't know if people are waiting for that, but certainly it has impacted on people and therefore they've had to make very hard choices, you know, whether to move or whether to stay and change their budget to pay the shortfall. So you say that um, house swaps are up in Bedford. What, what were the figures before the uh, bedroom tax and what are the figures after? Well, last April in 2012, we did 13 in April. In April 2013, we did 28. Okay. Uh, and how do people go about d- doing this house swap? Um, well, they can use our um, Choice Based Settings website to register um, for a home swap and they put the details of their property down and... You know, they then search for the kind of 
properties where other people advertise and to swap that they're interested in. 28 still not many, is it? Considering the number of people that this, 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 it, I, I know it's a lazy description, but I'm, I'm being lazy. This bed, the number of people this bedroom tax affects. Uh, no, it's not. Um, over 900 of our tenants have been impacted by the um, changes to housing benefit called the size criteria. Um, but obviously, every little helps. Um, for those 28 people, they may have made quite a big change to the household budget by finding a property where they're not impacted by a housing benefit cut. Are there, do you have a shortage of properties for these swaps? How many people are on your register at the moment? Um, on the register at the moment, there's over 3,000 people waiting for a home. For um, a house swap? Is that for a swap? No, that's waiting for a vac- a home to be How many are waiting for a swap? Um, I, I don't know how many have right. registered um, an interest to swap a home, because obviously that's where somebody, they take their home and they swap it with somebody else. Yeah. So that doesn't have quite the same sort of impact in terms of a waiting list, say, for example. So you don't, you, if they're registered for a house swap, then you, you would have those, those figures would be available, wouldn't they? The figures are available, I don't, you have, don't them have to them. hand right okay. at this moment. Okay. Uh, and, and what are, do people struggle to find these house swaps? Is it, do people get offered lots of things going, oh no, I don't fancy that? Well, well, when they're looking for a mutual exchange, they do have to find it themselves and then come to BPHA or their landlord, if it's another landlord, and ask if it's okay to do the swap. So they do have to do all the kind of, um, looking at the properties and deciding if it's right for them themselves before they come to us. Uh, Marie Taylor, thank you very much. Head of Housing Management Services, Bedford-based housing association, BPHA. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I hadn't finished the last three newspapers. I got so excited by the thought of the Prince George commemorative piggy bank, available free from the Daily Express. It's worth twelve ninety nine. It's worth twelve ninety nine. I got so excited by that, I didn't uh, get to do the rest of the, the front pages. So, should we have a look? Yes. The Daily Express. Mortgage rates slashed again. Hello. Oh, I'll have some of this pie. Let me read what it says. Homeowners cash in on new bank price war. Record low interest rates are fueling the property market with buyers scrambling to make the most of new cheap deals. And then there's a picture of Prince Charles slurping on an oyster. I can't think of anything more disgusting than Prince Charles. No, hang on, no, sorry, than oysters. Horrible, horrible little things. Camilla is ready with a napkin. This is front page news in Britain. Camilla is ready with a napkin as Charles downs a shellfish at the Whitstable Oyster Festival yesterday. Boy, they're having fun, those millionaires, aren't they? Aren't they having fun? The Daily Mail. Uh, Police demand social network tackles abuse by trolls. Twitter rape threat to MPs. Internet trolls have issued rape and death threats against two women MPs that emerged last night. Okay, right, that's great, but how about when there was someone on Twitter two years ago threatening to rape my boy that nothing was done about it then? Oh, nothing was done about it? Twitter said the person wasn't breaking any rules? The police said, oh, there's nothing we can do? I told a police officer, no, I am proud of it, I told a police officer to F off because they said there's nothing we can do, they're not breaking the law. Hang on a second, they're saying they want to abuse my little boy, they're not doing anything against the law, you're not doing your job. And uh, did curse of strictly destroy Denise's marriage? No. No, they split up because they were working abroad and apart. Did curse of strictly destroy Denise's marriage? We'll do Douglas in a bit. We'll do Douglas after quarter past. Douglas, hold fire, sir, we'll come to you after quarter past. The Sun... Kim and hubby number two on the rocks. 
This is front page as well. Corrie and EastEnders stars are living apart. Corrie's Kim Lomas, who's that, uh, what, is that her name? Is fighting to save her second marriage. Kim, 37, divorced from actor Jack Ryder, is living apart from EastEnders... Oh, for goodness sakes. 11 months after that, who cares, really? And look, the front pages already, we're talking about football. Football is coming back. This weekend it starts. I can't... Oh, for goodness sakes. It's going to be such a depressing... And this, again, Twitter threats to rape two MPs. Have people only just realised that Twitter is a horrible place to hang out if you are a woman or a minor celebrity or a human being with a soul? It's an awful place! I was on TV on uh, Saturday night talking about a television show. I said I didn't like someone in the television show. The next morning I looked at Twitter, I had six people calling me the C-word. Oh, and, and you're surprised that Twitter's not a nice place to hang out? Jonathan Vernon-Smith is here. <laughs> it was quick, it was, it? it? was a quick trail, what was wasn't that? it? I don't know. sake. Sport, sport returns. Ah. You're looking forward to uh, football starting again, I kicking off? I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. We should go to a football match. And hang Why? Out. <laughs> Why? We shouldn't. It's, I went last year, or the last season, last term. Boring. It, very, very dull. Yes. Very dull. It's just lots of um, horrible people shouting abuse at oh. other horrible people. <laughs> it really is. I, I would not want to... Uh, I'm not snobbish, as you know, but I would no. not want to... I wouldn't want to hang out with those people and pay for the privilege. Disgusting. <laughs> you Dis- probably offended perhaps 80% of your audience. They're too thick to understand. <laughs> Now, I'm, te- I'm teasing. I'm just showing <laughs> off to JVS because I want to be part of his gang and he won't let me join, for goodness sakes. I, I will. Uh, will you? Yes, I will. But I have to pay subs, that's the thing. I like your shirt. Thank you. Colour. Yes, mauve. very nice. It's, well, it's like a dusky mauve, a dusky isn't mauve. it? mauve. <laughs> Beautiful. They used to make the Vauxhall Chevette in that colour. <laughs> I enjoyed the first hour of your show yesterday. I heard, I'm not you, so keen on. I heard you <laughs> saying earlier you got your knob stuck. I was teasing. I had to flick my knob to... Um, I was driving down the M1. I had to keep flicking away in the car to, to get to reception for you because sometimes it w- listening on the FM, it would go, so I had to go to the AM, then I had to go back. To, and I did keep going back and forth because it was a fascinating discussion. Your gypsy fella who thought it was dirty to use a toilet. And you said, well, if I invite... If you're in my house, you're flat, and I invited you to use the toilet, he said, oh, no, I'd, I'd cross my legs and go home. Yeah, he said he'd go home and, and use the loo and then, what, come back, I presume? <laughs> or perhaps, he, perhaps that would be the end of the soiree. Perhaps he wouldn't. But it was all about this, this myth, what I thought was a myth, about travellers uh, defecating in parks. Well, have you seen the photos that Paul Scoynes have got? Has no, got? I've not seen... It's no, no, not photos of defecation. Yes, it is. Oh, it's disgusting. it's not a myth. It actually happens, and it is disgusting. It's well, awful. Well, it's got to be stopped. Well, that, I think that has to be... I do think that's outrageous. Why would anyone think that's acceptable to do a poo in a park? <laughs> Why would you think that's acceptable? It's awful. Leave a pair... There's got a picture of a dirty pair of blue pants just abandoned in a park. Well, sometimes it happens. Have you... Oh, no, let's not go down No, let's time. not go down that dirty route, for goodness sakes. But no, I have never. I've never... Once I very nearly had to. You've never had to resort to the dock leaf? No, no, never. Have you? Once. Many years ago, I was a child. <laughs> really? I, uh, it was terrible. Oh, for goodness. Sorry, child. people of Berkhamsted. How old were you? 
You are. I no. I was young. I was young, Charles. Fifteen. <laughs> you were <laughs> twenty-two. <laughs> oh, dirty. No, I was not. No, I was not. I was. I was young. Well, how old? I, I need a figure. Well, I don't know exactly. Under, I remember my mum having to take me under ten, over ten. Uh, oh no, under ten. Okay. Well, you know, if you're under like but to dig a hole, dig a hole. You see, that's that's fine. But what, what these people have been getting up to is disgusting. <laughs> leaving it there. Anyway, anyway, let's not go down that route if we can avoid it. Your What's... producer's holding her head in her hand. It's only Catherine Boyle, <laughs> so you know she she says far worse. In the True. She's very potty mouthed. Uh, what have you got on your show this morning? Coming up on the big phone in this morning, have nurses stopped caring? New research today suggests nurses are too busy to care. Many hospital nurses in England feel they're having to ration care because they don't have enough time to meet all their patients' needs. Almost nine in ten said they had to... Um, skip basic tasks such as comforting patients or mm. preventing bed sores in order to concentrate on urgent clinical tasks. They said they'd been unable to perform at least one element of basic care, with comforting and talking to patients often most missed. Your little boy was in hospital recently. Yep. Had the nurses stopped caring there? It, it was different because it was a children's hospital. It right. was Great Ormond Street. Uh, and um, so, no, they hadn't. I think it's different for, for specific hospitals like that, as opposed... The nurses there were amazing. They were fantastic. We couldn't have asked for more. But I have um, seen kind of grown-up hospitals where, yes, the, the, the care is, is lacking ever so slightly. Well, from nine this morning, I want your views, I want your experiences. Have nurses stopped caring? Have you been in hospital? Perhaps a member of your family? Any nurses listening? Do you admit you've stopped caring? 08459 four double five five double five from nine. Yes, any nurses listening, put down that syringe and that bed bath and uh, give Jonathan Stop caring a call. for just five minutes and call, please. <laughs> Thank you. Call 08459 four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio here every weekday until nine o'clock. Then it is the excellent uh, JVS. Uh, now, one of the main providers of the NHS telephone helpline service, 111, has said they'll pull out of the scheme entirely, affecting people in Buckinghamshire. It says the nine contracts it currently operates, a quarter of the service in England, have proved to be financially unsustainable. Well, since its launch, the uh, uh, 111 phone line has been plagued with problems, including long waits for some callers and insufficient nursing expertise at certain times. NHS England acknowledges these problems but says the service has improved considerably. Well, Dr Vishen Rankison is a GP in Stevenage and is the Hertfordshire 111 clinical lead and joins me now. Uh, doctor, you've been involved with the 111 system as far back as when it was set up. Is it working well for you in Hertfordshire? Um, good morning, Ian. Um, the service in Hertfordshire is working very well. Um, we've had um, quite a smooth launch since September last year and have not encountered um, uh, the problems that are being described elsewhere in the country. Have you been using nurses and GPs to handle the non-emergency calls or is it the, the, these people, the, the, these phone operators who have no medical training? We have um, in Hertfordshire um, set up our service using both trained call advisors supported adequately by clinical advisors which uh, make up made up by nurses and paramedics and uh, we also have uh, um, in our call center uh, roaming uh, clinicians as well to help people who encounter difficulties so 
yes, we have clinicians there all the time. One of the accusations uh, of Vision about the 111 service has been that, that, that far too often the uh, call handler just calls an ambulance just to be on the safe side and there's been an increase in the use of uh, of ambulances have you noticed that in Hertfordshire uh, no um, categorically we have not noticed this in Hertfordshire initially when we started um, our ambulance utilization was slightly higher than where it is now but steadily over the last six to nine months we have found that we're using fewer and fewer ambulances we analyze every single ambulance request um, whether a patient was taken to hospital or not and uh, have found that um, most of the cases have been uh, very appropriate. What, what does the, what's the comparison to last year before 111 came in, comparing you know, June of, uh, of this year to last year in terms of ambulance call-outs? Overall, we've seen a reduction in the utilisation of both ambulance right. and A&E in Hertfordshire. Um, as a result of 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 one 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 and other factors as well. Then how are you able to? It, it sounds like it's working like a dream for you, Vishen, and uh, I have no reason to doubt you. How? What are you doing right that NHS Direct have been doing wrong? Um, it's it's very difficult for me to comment on um, on on another service in another area. But what I can say that in Hertfordshire, what we've done is uh, we took time um, launching our service. We launched in September last year with a lead period of about six to eight months prior to that to to set up all the different um, components of the service. Uh, and since then, we've had uh, commitment from the local health service to continue delivering um, uh, 111 um, by by ensuring that there's adequate management and support uh, around the service. And you've not been told that the service is struggling, that you're reaching capacity, that you're unable to provide the services in, in the way that NHS Direct claim? No, we haven't had uh, those sorts of issues in, in, in Hertfordshire at all. The, the fact that NHS Direct wants to pull out of certain areas of the country where they provide this service, including in Buckinghamshire, could that have an effect on, on your service in Hertfordshire? Um... As as the system is currently designed, it, it won't have uh, much of an effect because the, the one on one's got quite a um, advanced telephone system that it routes calls to the home service where possible. So, in fact, um, um, I, I don't think that we'll have too much of a negative effect in Hertfordshire as a result of that. Dr. Vishen Rangpisan, thank you very much. GP in Stevenage, also the Hertfordshire 111 clinical lead. I'm keen to get your stories about 111. If you've called it, were they any good? Did you feel you were talking to, you know, someone who might as well be selling you some add-ons for your mobile phone? 08459 555. We did invite NHS Aylesbury Vale and Chiltern Clinical Commissioning Group onto the programme. They said no. They sent us a statement, but uh, to be honest, I'm not going to read it out. It, it says what you'd expect from a statement really it, you know they're looking into things and I, I think they've done themselves a disservice by not coming on uh, this morning call 08459 555 555 bbc three counties radio in the last half an hour can we talk more about um parking on double yellow lines if you would be so kind eric pickles thinks it's it's what we need in the high street to give the high street a kick up the backside to revitalize small business cards on the table i think the high street's dead i think it's dead and i don't think there's anything that can be done about it i think in 
10 years, 15 years, the, the, the concept of a high street will be laughed at. It'll be internet online shopping, or it'll be big shopping centres outside of town. The high street, where you go to the local butchers, and I'm not revelling in this, this makes me very, very sad. The high street, where you go to the local butchers and the local bookshop, and there's that small cheese shop that's really... That, it'll be an alien foreign concept. We'll, we'll be laughing about... Do you remember that time? Do you remember when you used to have high streets? What's a high street, Daddy? That's what it'll be. It makes me sad. Have I got this completely wrong, though? Do you agree with uh, not only Eric Pickles, but Justin Dealey? Yes, oh, two great minds thinking alike. That parking on double yellow lines, just for 15 minutes, do you think that would revitalise the high street? It would be the adrenaline boost that small businesses need. I just don't understand how you could police, how you could literally police it. What, you're going to have... A traffic warden up and down the high street jotting down every number plate in his little book and timing it it couldn't possibly work could it across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee bbc three counties radio Lovely. 832 it's tuesday the 30th of uh, uh, july no 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 it is july isn't it which means it's nearly august which means it's nearly Christmas. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? Wonderful. Uh, lots coming up between now and nine o'clock. Mainly your phone calls. The phones have gone a bit bonkers. The things we are talking about, smartphones, they're ruining your relationship. They're destroying your mental health and your life. I've realised it. I'm, I'm trying. It's hard. It's like giving up a fine heroin. I'm trying to take a step back from the smartphone. I've downgraded to a phone that only does texts and calls. You can see a picture of it on the Facebook page. Day three. I'm struggling, I'm itching. But, but, already I'm noticing a change of the interaction with my children. Wonderful. You can do the same thing. 08459 455 555. And this story, it was kind of uh, announced yesterday. Eric Pickles is suggesting that to save the high street, we should be allowed to park on double yellow lines for 15 minutes. How on earth is that going to work? You're going to clutter up high streets there's going to be anarchy on the roads don't we just have to admit that the high street is dead it's finished it's it's breathing its last dying breaths doesn't bring me any pleasure saying that i love the high street i love the local shops but i don't love them enough to go and spend more money in there than i could spend online oh eight four five nine four double five five double five scott's in hemel morning scott Morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Double yellow lines. We, it, it, should we be allowed to park on them for 15 minutes? Would it work? I think what you need to do is allow people to come into town, town centres, and actually go into shops, park for a minute, and go and pick up, try on, and collect things that they've ordered, researched, and done all the kind of looking around online. Um, I work for a company. We see about 20 million consumers a year watch our product videos and our, uh, our facts on products and what we're seeing working with every retailer we work with everybody from Curry's to Mothercare to Argos to Tesco to Sainsbury's is that people research online but still like to go and pick up see kick the cars if you will and feel the product so it would be brilliant wouldn't it if you just knew that you could go and look at a shirt online see the color make sure it was in your size, reserve it, go to your local shop, know that it was in stock, park outside and go and try it on. That is what will save the high street, linking online within store. A number of retailers are already aware of it. 
everything in life is cyclical. If you go back in the day, you could go to a shop and actually try things on and get them. But because rents are so expensive, people can't hold stock. So it's a just-in-time delivery service. Mm. But if you work with the internet, so that when the customer is coming to collect something, as a shopkeeper, you can have it there. I and un- you can provide service. I can understand how it works. Very rarely do I buy clothes online. I buy my shirts from M&S online because I know where it fits. Uh, but, but I bet your wife does. Uh, she does occasionally. Not massively, oh. occasionally. <laughs> but I, I do. Li- I like to go into shops and I like to try clothes on. That's what I like to do. But yeah, exactly. all other things, though, CDs, I know what, I know what a CD is going to sound like when I order it. Gadgets, I know what an iPad does. I, I can research gadgets online. What about a washing machine? What about a washing machine? What about a... What about a- Hoover, vacuum cleaner, what about a television? We, we got a Hoover recently. We got it online. We didn't go to the shop. I, I research these things online. I go to Witch and all these yeah. other sites and see, see what yeah. a Hoover does, what a vacuum cleaner does, what a, what a TV yeah. does, and then buy it on the strength of that. I, I, and, and so many of these places offer free delivery now, don't they? Exactly. But if you could go into the store and get the opinion of a qualified sales guy, you knew that the product was there, or that you knew that you had two of them. I mean, Clark's, for instance, offer a great service where you can have two or three different pairs of shoes delivered for your children to a store. You can turn up knowing confidently that they're there, try them on, and walk away with a pair of shoes. But again, that's clothes. I I think clothes are different. I think with with, with gadgets, and you, listen, hey, you work in this business, you probably know better than me, but I'll put it out to my callers. I would suspect that a significant number of people, that for a start, a lot of the people working in electrical stores they're no way are they experts they're just boys uh, okay i mean there's it, two things reserve and collect in store yep. actually sells more products than delivery only at the moment you look at a number of people yeah but because the consumer wants to actually touch feel try and they actually want to sort of look and compare and that's the brilliance of online is that you can show people things yep. and then you can educate people so that when they go in store they're asking the right questions questions that they maybe a little bit embarrassed to ask if they've just turned up on spec. I think you're finding, again, that the more online content is educating the store staff as well, so everybody is aware of what these gadgets can do. And as you said, you're trying to get rid of your smartphone because it does maybe too much, and it takes you away from some of the simple things. So 80% of smartphones don't get used. Only 20% of their features do. It's the same with products that people buy. They do so much that consumers want to know what it does for me. How's this going? You know, make my life better. Scott, we, we're going to end it there because we've got a lot of calls racking up, but we'll put that out there. You, do you agree with Scott and Emil? He's an online retail expert. What? Do, why should I speak? For I know nothing except what I think, and I'm, I am a retailer. Clothes I like to go on and try, uh, but but gadgets. Um, my uh, when I bought my Nexus tablet, I bought that online. I, I did a lot of research online. I ordered it online. Um, my last, I bought a DAB radio last week because mine died. I researched it. I ordered it. Didn't go into a shop and touch it. Because I don't, with gadgets, I don't need to. With gadgets, on on Amazon and, and Curry's and all these other websites, you get the measurement so you can see how big it's going to be. You get the spec. You go onto which or to any of these other review uh, websites. It tells you exactly what it does with the, the, the specification. I don't need to go into a shop and touch a television to know what it does. Am I completely wrong? Am I completely wrong? Do give me a call. 08459 four double five five double five. Maybe you're agreeing uh, with Scott there. Um, oh, look, Mark in Hemel. Mark, you've called in about something completely different. What, what, what's, what have you got for us, Mark? Yeah, um, probably increasing frustration at the logic behind, or lack of logic behind, the 
um, variable speed limit signs down up and down the M1. Oh yes, I do. I do thirteen, junction thirteen to nine and back every single day. Yeah, nice structure road. Working day. Yeah, and the logic behind the speed control is just well, there isn't any. What's um, going on? Well, for the most part, you'll find you'll be travelling along and they're all set at 60 during periods where traffic is busy. And then all of a sudden, for no apparent reason at all, you'll find them, you'll find one goes to 50. And all of a sudden, everybody's braking to slow for 50, thereby creating a bottleneck. And then you'll see the next one goes back to 60 again. Um, for example, this morning, gone on at 13, signs are all 60. Um, and then for no apparent reason, between 13 and 12, they drop to 50. And then they drop to 40. And then they're back up to 60 again. And then you get to um, Toddington Services. The first sign after the Toddington Services has got the uh, keep left um, sign indicating that yeah. the hard shoulder is closed after uh, the Toddington Services. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's set at 60. The very first one after that then says congestion use hard shoulder. And you oh. say, hang on a minute. So you're up and down the speed all the time. Approaching 11 on the southbound, uh, three signs before the junction, all of a sudden you've got 50 and 50. Now, there's no change in the density of the traffic. It's all moving perfectly happily. It's not building up. If there'd have been traffic building up leaving the slip road at that junction, I could have understood them perhaps slowing the traffic down a bit. But it wasn't. It was clear. And then the next one is 60, the one between the uh, exit and the entrance on the southbound. Um, and then you've got one at 50, and then it goes up to 60 again. I, I, I've, I've noticed this on, on the M1, that those uh, those signs do seem to... Um, sometimes they're there, and you, they're relevant to what's happening, but sometimes they appear not to be. Could, could it be, Mark, that perhaps there is an incident up further ahead, but by the time you've got there, it's, it's been cleared up? I don't think so, not this morning. No, I'm being um, generous was... to the motorway there doing that. I, I, I can't quite think well, how no, that would work. No, I understand. I use a, I use a particular set now that identifies... Um, uh, it, it's actually... Uh, I, the, the people that are using it actually identify where there are hold-ups, where oh, there okay. are breakdowns. Yeah. Um, and there was one uh, where it showed a, bra- a breakdown that was actually being cleared, but there were no, there'd been no change to the speed limits. There'd been no mover one, move out of the hard shoulder or anything to cover that. It was uh, areas where there was nothing going on, and I'm pretty sure all they do every now and again. They let loose some. Uh, they let loose a monkey in, in the control room that presses buttons randomly. I'm convinced of it. Mark, it's just there's no logic at all to it. Mark, listen, I appreciate that. Thank you. If you've noticed that, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Can we put a call in to the M1 people? Let's put a call into Mr. M1. First of all, we'll ask him if it's true. Do they release a monkey live into the control room? I suspect that's not the case, but you never know. It'd be good if they said, oh, yeah, you know, we do that on Thursdays. You know, every Tuesday and Thursday, we'll have a go at that. We will call um, the, uh, the, the M1 and find out what, what's uh, been going on there, Mark. Thank you very much for that. 08459 455 555. On the subject of being allowed to park on double yellow lines for 15 minutes to save the high street. Douglas in Barton, it could never work, could it? Um, well, I think it probably could, but wh- why I rang up was because when I was in Germany in the 50s, what they used to do, when you went to a town and you wanted to park, they gave you like a little cardboard timer with a clock on, and it maybe said half an hour parking, and you set it like at 11 o'clock when you arrived, right. and you had half an hour. If you went over that, you would get fined. Now, that was quite a good idea. Yes. You know, and that was done town to town. So I I think that would work. It needs something because 
Uh, obviously, you can go to whatever store and park for so long, not a problem, do your shopping and come away. So it, that is killing it. And also what you do, yep. uh, to be honest, you are killing the high street Me? as well. Oh, because no. you're doing it online, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I am, I am parking. Yes, I right? accept my responsibility in that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's, I, it's cheaper I, and convenient. Yeah, I know. But... The other thing was you talked about was experience. And now I managed the shop in Luton in the 60s, and my staff were trained. I trained them to, to, with knowledge. They don't do that in these stores. Knowledge about what? The, the things well, that you're the selling? Equipment they're selling? Yeah, they don't. You see? I mean, you go in and you ask about a washing machine, and very rarely do they know what they're talking about. I'll call my manager over. You know, and even exactly. It is, and I, I know, you know, it's a generalisation, but a lot of these electrical shops, you can see why they're closing down. It's spotty 17-year-olds. Well, I'm afraid that is know nothing. the case. That is the case. But there again, you know, if they did train them, and you went in and you got the experience, and you got it for the same price, mm. and delivery free, which you do on a lot of things online, that's fine. But usually it's £25, £30 delivery. Oh, and the, th- the thing that, y- that you, can, you don't get online so much is, would you like to take out extra insurance on this? No, I would not, because no, I know most of that's online. going in your You're back pocket. The yes. They're told to sell that. that. That is the main thing they seem to know about. Yes, the insurance. Is the insurance. And if you don't take that, they're not interested. But if you work it out, if it's something that's £100, what is the point of taking out insurance? Never take it's it out. It's probably £30, £40. Uh, it lasts for three years, so you buy another one, yeah, don't you? Exactly. Never you know, take that the out. Thing. The other thing uh, I just mentioned very quickly, yeah, it might only be Hertfordshire, but something's come in now. If anyone parks across the drop curbs, yes. invalid certificate or not, yes. they will get fired. They will get a ticket. That's oh. just come in. I don't know whether it applies to Bedfordshire. Might I thought mentioning. that you couldn't get a ticket for those. For Sorry? parking. I, I thought that you couldn't get a no, ticket for no, parking for those. The new rule, I don't oh. know whether it's just Hertfordshire, I've spoken to the traffic warden, and if they park across a drop curb with an invalid certificate on or not, they're allowed five minutes, and if they're on after that, they can ticket them now. Douglas, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. So, Eric Pickles suggests that we're allowed to park for 15 minutes on double yellow lines, it will revitalise the high street. I do not see how it will work. The high streets, I hate to tell you, the high street died. If it hasn't died yet, it's on its way out. I'm part of the problem, you're part of the problem. I shop online because it's cheaper. I like shops, I like little shops, but not enough to spend more money in them. These are times of austerity, have you not heard? No one's got any money stuff online high street isn't going to work and allowing people to park for 15 minutes on uh, double yellow lines it's a nice idea but it won't happen and whenever we talk about flagging high street the same name tends to pop up dunstable well, Justin Dilly has been in Dunstable this morning. Good morning, Justin. Ian, I can't believe your views on this this morning. Go of on. course this is going to work. How? Put it this way. Yes, you go online to do your shopping. Correct. But if you wanted to use, let's just say, a local butcher in Dunstable, and you couldn't park out the front, you had to park five or ten minutes away, yep. you wouldn't be bothered to use him. But yep. if you could park on a double yellow line for, for 15 minutes and you were 30 seconds away from that shop, you might just use him, you would put money in his till, and you might just say a local business. It's not rocket science, surely. Cheaper to go to Sainsbury's and Tesco's. And that's the fact. And while there are some very, very noble people who... Uh, I've got several uh, middle-class friends who are happy to pay a few quid extra yeah. for a joint of beef, 
Most people can't afford that luxury. But surely it's all about convenience as well. If we had the convenience no. to park near these stores, we would be using them. No, it's all about cost. Yeah, cost comes into it, of course, but also convenience, surely. No, no, convenience is, is, is almost irrelevant on this, Justin. Mm, I don't agree. Don't no, agree. I know you don't, and it's mm. good that we don't <laughs> agree. See, this is, this <laughs> is because again. of the unique way the BBC is funded, we're allowed to disagree. Mm, well, You've been speaking to a local businessman, haven't you? I have, uh, that man being Peter Doran. He's uh, a butcher on the high street in Dunstable. He thinks this is a great idea. Here's what he had to say earlier on. There isn't enough parking in Dunstable. Uh, you know, most uh, side streets are all taken up by people who go to work, so they park there. Uh, so, yeah, it, it certainly would help, yeah. As long as they can police it, so they only stay there for 10, 15 minutes, then it would work. Do you think something like that may revive this high street, or is it simply too late for that now? I don't think it will revive it, but it certainly would help small businesses, mm. because at the end of the day, we need all the customers we can get. Because, yeah. as I said, like, um, the big stores have got parking. So they do their one-stop shop. But these will help where people want to get a few little bits and just oh, know where to park. Oh, I can park on a double yellow line, I can nip in, do the shopping, and away we go. Your fella there says it won't revive it, Justin. He says it'll have, no, you know, it'll have a little bit of effect, but it won't revive it. And it may not revive the whole high street. It'll certainly help him and small businesses. I mean, to give you an example, yep. Peter's shop, outside the shop, there's a parking bay there for, what, three or four cars. That's fine if you can get in there. Yep. But if you can't, the next street is Union Street, which has double yellow lines. Now, you talk about obstructions there. Yes. In my opinion, looking at those double yellow lines, you could quite clearly park there safely for 10 or 15 minutes and you would nip out and you would l use some of those local businesses. Not just him, but a sandwich shop along there as well. Surely this is great news for local business. Well, when was the last time you used a butcher? Last time I used the butcher was probably about four weeks ago and I could park out the front. That's why I used that butcher. Okay, and, and the meat you've got since then from supermarkets, yeah? Yes. Yeah, because it's significantly cheaper. Possibly. Thank you very much. You've just you've just argued yourself out of existence. But surely, to spend that bit more, investing locally means something. But people, the thing is, people can't afford it. People are losing their jobs. People are not getting pay increases. People are having their pay frozen. They can't afford the luxury. And, and, and you know, butchers, I'm sure, are much better than some of these supermarkets. But they can't afford the luxury of spending two or three quid extra on a joint of beef. Well, what about the sandwich shop, then? Yeah, the sandwich shop, two or three doors along from yep. that. The sandwiches are not going to be significant higher than a supermarket to buy a sandwich, potentially even cheaper. Listen, my views don't count, your views don't count, Justin. Mm. You've been speaking to real people. What have they yep. had to say? In Dunstable this morning, yeah, a mixed reaction, Ian. The majority of people think this is a great idea. Here's what people had to say. No, I don't, because I think all it'll do is it'll cause congestion, because you get people park on dull yellow lines anyway, and running shops anyway. <laughs> they know they can do it and get away with it, then all that's going to happen, you're going to get more... And it's just going to cause congestion at traffic lights because of the amount of traffic lights that Dunstable's got anyway. So you've got all the traffic lights, uh, Pelican crossings, and then all the double yellow lines, people are going to park. It will cause more congestion. I think it would be a good idea. If it's not abused, if it is for 50 minutes, or you just want to stop at a shop, pick something up, back in your car and away. Because there's many a time when you wanted to park, just to nip in your shop, you bought something, you want to pick it up, but you can't. I think it will cause chaos myself. People just park on your double yellow lines, they'll be longer than 15 minutes. And how's it going to be policed? It's a good idea, but it's too little too late to save Dunstable Town Centre. It would do it in the short term. Yeah, it's a good idea, but I think more needs to be done in terms of investment in the style of shops that you're encouraging to come into the town. 
it needs to be more a market town atmosphere. It's a very small town. No one's going to come here to do major shopping. So you need to encourage a market atmosphere, a market town atmosphere with specialist shops uh, to get specific customers to come here. Madam, you think it is a good idea. Can you tell us why? Um, it'll bring life back to the shops. If somebody can nip in and just get something that they want, they can use the shops that they choose to use. OK, well, it, 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 she's wrong, but it was nice that she got to make her point on the BBC. <laughs> Justin, no, thank you very much. Good work today. Yeah, thanks, Ian. See you tomorrow. Ta-ta. Uh, 08459 455 555. Last few minutes of the show. Oliver's in Hartford. Good morning, Oliver. Good morning. What do you think? If we could park on double yellow lines for 15 minutes, would it have any impact on the high street whatsoever? I'm hugely sceptical because I don't the volumes of customers. At these oh, Oliver, go and go and go and move somewhere because your line is breaking up all over the place. Is that better? That's much better. There we go. Yeah. Don't move. Sorry about that. Um, I'm, I'm very sceptical uh, because I don't think it's going to generate the volumes of customers that these retailers are going to want to see. And I think there's a better solution to support the retailers. Yep. And that would be to give them some relief on their business rates so that they can be more competitive with the online shopping possible suggestions that I think is worth considering is if they were able to demonstrate that the goods that they were selling were also competing online by demonstrating five other retailers that were online selling the same product, they should be given some form of business rates relief. That way they could be much more competitive and it tackle that issue of cost that you're obviously quite dear to your heart. Well, I th- it is quite dear to my heart because I'm a very, very mean man. But I think it is—it's <laughs> quite dear to a lot of people's hearts, isn't it? At the moment, and, and the cost oh. thing has to be g- g- a significant factor in where people shop. I think it is. I think convenience is is important, though. I don't think you you can underestimate how time poor people are. You know, that's a massive issue. So there is an element of actually trying to make the the high street easy to access as well. And so if there can be a solution with these double yellow lines, which needs to be really carefully thought through because, you know, the stress that it could cause by causing further congestion actually has a negative impact, um, it needs to be, you know, it's, it's something that should be properly considered. But there are other ways to make it convenient and there's other ways to revive the high street as well. Oliver, thank you very much. It's, it's something we keep talking about, isn't it? How do you revive the high street? Uh, David's emailed uh, in regards to parking on double yellow lines. It might not be the whole solution, however, every little helps. Good idea, Mr Pickles. But it's not going to help that much, so a butcher's going to sell a few extra bits of meat. A sandwich shop will sell a couple of extra sandwiches. It's not going to breathe life into the dying high street. It's not going to save these businesses, is it? I don't see how it can, and the problem is the system will be abused. Uh, it's unpoliceable. If, if you do get these significant numbers of cars parking on the high streets that you're expecting to get, well, you can't police it, can you? You've got some poor traffic warden pacing up and down, ty- writing down every car on his little notepad, timing every car. He puts a ticket on, it, someone will kick off, it'll all get a bit nasty, get taken to court... Someone dies. It's just, you know, maybe worst-case scenario. Maybe I've picked a worst-case scenario there. I don't know. But I don't see how it can work. No doubt we'll come back to this again. The high street uh, and the death thereof. It seems to be a constant uh, theme that we're discussing here. We will discuss it again at some point in the future. Right. That's it. You've listened to the show now. Go to iTunes and download the podcast, please. Weekly podcast comes out every Friday. That's it. That's me done until tomorrow. JVS is up next. Till tomorrow from me. Ta-ta. On 
FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. 